You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Alrighty, alrighty. Can you hear me, Tux? Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, man. How's it going? It's going all right. It's going all right. <sighs> good coffee. Oh yeah. You're gratuitous, gratuitous, guys. Right? You're gratuitous. Let me get that. Let me get that banner up there. Keep it going, guys. Oh, my mom drinks now. Like seriously. Oh yeah, she likes it for a morning cup. Yeah, sweet, sweet. (laughs) We're making progress with that too. We hope to go down to Colombia soon, where we're getting because now we used to get it from Guatemala, um, and we went down and we hooked those farmers up that time. But now the new coffee, uh, the tips are just being held in a wallet right now. We have yet to go down to the farm, so hoping to do that soon, and we'll Ah. see what see what comes of that once we go down there. Maybe it will grow into other things. Like with Guatemala, the goal was... Well, because there's the two locations uh, right now, right? Well, no, right now it's just Colombia. We, we oh, cut okay. off Guatemala because it was kind of like a dead end. Because uh, oh, really? it wasn't really working out well with the owner of the farm. Like he he didn't really see our vision. He was like, yeah, 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 you're tipping the farmers, whatever. Like he just didn't care. He hmm. didn't care. And so, like, we, we met with, you know, we hooked up all these guys with their wallets. They were getting their tips. But then we wanted to, like, grow it from there. You know, we wanted to try to, like, work with him to to get the farmers using Monero more. And what he just, like, he could just, he just, like, didn't really. He's like, oh, they don't, they don't need tips. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, bro, come on. My farmers don't need more money. He's like, they're happy. They live on the land. I'm like, all right. I know you're happy, but I'm like, what's wrong with some, some, some tips? Like, he, he didn't want them to become, like, I don't know, liberated farmers. I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was. So it wasn't. It wasn't good. Um, so that's why Colombia is interesting because where we're getting the coffee from, we have a guy from. He's actually, I think, more of a B casher than a Monero guy, but he's like become a Monero guy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, he's he's very helpful, and he lives local in the area, and so he's very much on board with the concept and the idea, and so he's he's found us a good farm to get the coffee from, and he said the owner is very receptive, and so we got to go down there and see what that leads to, because ultimately the goal is to not just send them tips, but then to like get the corner store in their village to accept Monero, you know, like kind of grow it from there. Um, so maybe, maybe it'll work out better with Columbia, but in short, buy your beans. It helps. It helps grow everything. And the coffee is delicious. We ship it up every couple of weeks. We ship up green beans and then we roast it on demand and ship it out. And yes, all, all your tips will make it to the farmers. I promise. 100%. Two and guarantee. Um, I don't drink it, but my mom does and she loves it. And that's saying something because she is very picky. Yeah, it's good. It's fresh. What are you, are you a tea guy? Or you don't? You don't. Really I, I just don't drink like coffee or tea. I just drink water mostly. Oh, that's good, man. That, yeah. That's why. That's why you're like I don't know, twenty five, and look like you're how old are you? <laughs> how old are you? I'm in my twenties. 
you just told it. Yeah, I mean, you're like you're like Benjamin Button, man. I mean, you, you like you you maintain your youth, so you're doing something right. You said your dad's like that too, right? Yeah, yeah, he kind of looks like that in a way. That's good. So I guess it's it's genetics, really. He shaves, I, and it's like he's got kind of a. Big... That's that's a good thing to have, man. Especially when, when you when you get older, you know, you you got you got those good genes. But yeah, I think things like avoiding coffee and stuff. But uh, I like it. I'm addicted. Once in, a, <laughs> once in a while, I go off. Once in a while, I go off. But I, I enjoy my my cup. Um. All right, guys. We got a big show as always. We'll keep it. We'll keep it moving along. So we'll do price report. We have a dev dev report today too, right? Yeah. Yep. We All right. We'll do, we'll do price. We got Digun doing the dev, and then we'll bring up our our special guest this week. And then from there, we will do the news. All right, sweet. Let's let's do that price report. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer to peer. All right, buddy. There. I think he's uh, is it frozen. Yes, I am. Sorry about hey. that. I was muted. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. We we got a comment here. Tux is very handsome. It's it's true. Young and handsome. <laughs> um, but big week, huh? Oh but yeah. Fi- finally, the, the things the, the doldrums are over. <laughs> yeah. Hope everyone's surviving out there. Um, it's it hasn't been like too terrible. We're only back down to twenty five k for Bitcoin, but um, yeah. I mean. Well, like we talked about the past few weeks, it's like, where was the follow through? It, it should have happened. And at some point it just didn't happen. And uh, I posted on Twitter, I think it was like Wednesday. I don't remember exactly, but like right before things or as things were breaking down, it was like, you got to hold like right now, right here, or there's a lot more downside. And so I actually just bounced out at that moment. I was like, nope, I'm, I'm taking profit. I'm, I'm not going to be in these markets. Um, still got the Monero, always got the Monero. Um, I picked up a I guess you could call them shit coins, but I picked up some altcoins um, back months ago that I said, ah, I'll probably just let these ride no matter what, um, just because they have like fundamental use stuff like um, Link, for example. Link is used across DeFi, and I don't care if it's like centralized. I know it's not like pure crypto. It's not money. It's not digital cash. It's not digital freedom money, but it's used a lot. So um, I, I hold a, a few coins here and there just as kind of off bet plays that I don't have to look at. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff. But you, you pulled you, you pulled out some some of your Bitcoin or whatever before. Yeah, yeah. I basically pulled my long term trades off the table uh, wow. into stable coins, which at this moment, eh, I'm I'm not exactly super comfortable with being in stable coins either. But um, what really? I'll probably you're ahead. worried about you're worried about the stables even. Yeah, um, we'll talk a, we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Um, but what I'll probably end up doing here is is try and wait for gold to. Um, so let's pull up the gold chart. Uh, so this is gold right here. And <clears throat> if the stock market and, and every, so we've talked about for months here where, um, you know, we, we expected that big long move to the upside. And then we were kind of trying to, to sort of see if we could time the top, you know, and then, and then get out. And then I've been predicting that towards the end of this year, we were going to see a reversal, uh, and things needed to go back down to the lows. I think that the odds are very likely that that's what we just saw here is the beginning of that move back down doesn't have to be lower lows, doesn't have to be the exact a double bottom, but somewhere close to that area. Um, I think the odds are that we've started this move. So gold right here, this is the weekly chart. Um, gold is now correlated. Everything's correlated because what do they do? They just print money. So when you print money, everything goes up. And when you um, when you get hawkish and you contract, you tighten the monetary policy, um, everything goes down together. So 
Um, we're kind of seeing that with gold. I mean, yes, you know, you'll see divergence uh, for a period of time with asset classes, but basically everything is sort of correlated. So I would expect gold at this point, if my thesis is correct, that the broad markets are going to are going to be moving back down somewhere close to their lows. This right here is is kind of your target area um, to pick up some gold if you were like at least that's what the chart would say, right? Fundamentally, you might say, well, there's all the inflation, you know, and gold, and I don't care. I'm just going to keep stacking, DCAing, uh, whether that's Bitcoin, Monero, really, um, or gold. So um, we've got the cluster of moving averages here. This uh, these big blue bands that you can see. Um, these are very long-term standard deviations. They're actually upper standard deviations. They're underpriced because price uh, gold prices moved up so high so quickly um, from this like the 2018, 2019, uh, and 2020 movement. Um, you'll see they kind of like held as sort of the support. And again, I really do think it's likely to come back down, get into this zone somewhere here. Uh, and then that's like kind of the target place to pick up gold. So in terms of stable coins, what I'll probably do is is um, leave at least half of my stable coins once gold gets down anywhere reasonable. Um, if I see anything in crypto that that seems like systemic risk in progress, I'll probably bounce out sooner than later. But if um, guys like Binance and Tether keep holding on, uh, I'll probably just stay in the stable coins as long as I can. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll probably get into like PAX G or something like that. Um, just as a way of kind of like mitigating the risk of, um, you know, the, the stable coin risk is, I mean, that's a central third party that I'm depending, <clears throat> that I'm depending on, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to hold any type of us dollar pegged instrument that you're not going to have some sort of uh, central party that you're dependent on. What do you, what do you see as being the most stable, stable coin, the most reliable stable coin at this point? Um, I mean, it's, it's really hard to say, like, it's, it's hard to, I mean, I'm guessing here. I would still say USD. Um, so I guess I'll, we can kind of go out of order. Um, there, man, there's so much to talk about. I hope uh, I hope you have time to get to it all. Because um, there's a lot of big news events that are happening that are starting starting to like boil in the crypto industry as well. Uh, so USDT is in green and USDC is in white. Now, we've seen the market cap of USDC take a really big hit since um, starting right around March. Um, you saw people kind of exiting USDC and then it's sort of just been down, down, down. It looks like it might be starting to round out, but what you'll notice at the same time is that USDC, uh, sorry, USDT tether market cap has kind of like absorbed all that. So there's this theory, um, CZ and Binance are on the ropes and that's not even a theory. Like they are in trouble. Um, the department of justice has been thinking for a long time about prosecuting him criminally. Um, obviously he's got, you know, CZ has got the lawsuit, um, We've got, um, there was even this story, uh, so sorry to kind of bounce around here a lot. Like it's all, it all relates to it. We got a lot, we got a lot. Yeah, no, just, just flow, man. Get it all out there. So I don't know if this is true or not, um, but this is like floating around crypto Twitter that basically um, Binance chain BNB coin has not dropped below 212 because CZ is basically selling Bitcoin to prop that price up because he's got a liquidation uh, price down there. So supposedly he posted up some collateral um, to, to not liquidate like the BNB, I don't know, his holdings and BNB, something like that. Um, is this true? I don't know. Uh, this has been floating around a lot. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, and that could actually be a big motivating factor here, but, uh, for why crypto has sold off. Um, you know, uh, CZ is selling a bunch of Bitcoin, um, and he's trying to like keep his exchange from collapsing. Um, so I do think that, there's a, a high probability, or maybe maybe not high, not like extremely high, but I think the odds are greater than 50% that CZ is basically in a struggle to survive, uh, for his exchange to survive. I mean, we know that he doesn't have the Monero that he says he has. Um, 
it's likely that he's fractionally reserving other coins. I think they did that with Doge for a period of time. And I think um, I think the Bcash or the Bitcoin Cash people have convinced me that they, they might be doing that as well with Bitcoin Cash. Um, so anyways, uh, but even so, the th- so sorry, so we'll cu- coming back to, to the stable coins, the theory is that USDC is being sold off um, and is being redeemed because you can't actually redeem Tether um, because they don't actually have all of the backing or and or they don't have the ability, the backing they do have, they might not be liquid to be able to send you actual US dollars through the banking system because they're kind of in trouble as well in a lot of ways. Although I do suspect, I do wonder if they are connected um, kind of like under the table to, um, I don't know, sort of like big corporate deep state entities. And they just like, they they continue to um, <clears throat> sort of operate with impunity, if you will. But anyways, the, the theory is that USDT is not really redeemable. They they barely redeem anybody, but that USDC is redeemable because they're run by Black Bar, uh, BlackRock and they've actually got treasuries backing those. Um, now they've never had an audit. All they have are attestations. So I'm just guessing here. But the theory again is that people are swapping their USDT, their Tether into USDC and then they're actually selling that USDC into real dollars to, mm. I don't know, to collateralize, whatever. Again, this is speculation. These are theories. We don't have much more than kind of like, mm, that kind of makes sense, bro. <laughs> so, you know, put on your tinfoil, whatever. Um, but that, that is a theory that's out there. Uh, so, but, so you think t- Tether might be in trouble is, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's, it's very possible Tether, Tether could be in trouble. I, mean, I feel like this is something we've heard from day one about Tether, and it just never... You know, obviously, it could happen at any time, but I feel like everybody's been saying that forever about Tether. I always yeah. kind of always thought about the idea is, you know, there was this campaign against stables as a way to keep people in Bitcoin, right? Because there was nowhere else to go. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Because it, it's it's been for a long time, right? I mean, in, in in previous bull markets with Bitcoin, it was always warned against, like, no, don't go into st- don't go into Tether, don't go into stable coins, they might collapse. And I feel like that kind of kept a lot of people in Bitcoin because they felt like they had nowhere to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to fall into normalcy bias. Um, and it does seem like Tether has been very resilient. We know that Tether has been operating fraudulently. Like there's no question about that at this point. Anyone that has come to the table and done the research from an unbiased standpoint just to understand like what is the lay of the land, how like what's the evidence we have, it's very clear that Tether did not have all of their backing for quite a long period of time. Um, that they were slushing funds around all of the stuff that the independent investigators figured out um, over the years, like pretty much um, from say 2017 through 2020, sort of that time period that was being analyzed by the independent investigators. When the New York attorney general um, prosecuted their lawsuit or um, their case against Tether, they actually didn't go to court. They settled outside of court, but they did force Tether to turn over a bunch of documents. They they validated all of the things that the independent investigators said. Like they, they said, Hey, we've, we've gotten all the millions of pages of documents from Tether. Here's what's been going on. They didn't have the backing. They said they did. Um, so it's, it's very clear that Tether has been operating fraudulently. Um, but <clears throat> they, they didn't get like, they only got a slap on the wrist for that. They got $18.1 million fine. Hilariously, the next day after they settled for that amount <laughs> with the New York attorney general, they minted literally 18.1 million Tether. Um, which I think was just them kind of trolling. If you've ever followed Paolo, he's he's kind of uh, kind of like a troll the way he responds to people. So, but you know that doesn't mean that it has to collapse. And this is kind of the thing where it's like, oh well, you know, Tether hasn't collapsed. How can it be a fraud? Like, well, I mean, there's so many frauds that went on. Like Bernie Madoff went on for two decades and didn't collapse. Right. So, um, you know, I don't want to fall into a normalcy bias pattern. Um, I do think that Tether would be like 
the last thing that that any of the crypto insiders or the crypto cabal or the suits in crypto, they probably don't want Tether to collapse more than anything because that's mm. still like still the primary um, liquidity, like the liquidity pair between exchanges for for altcoins and all kinds of stuff. Um, so, I mean, really, I've kind of I'm spread between a little bit of Tether, a little bit of USDC, a little bit of DAI. Um, and the, the die is nice because they can't actually freeze your specific die. They can freeze the USDC that goes into backing die. Um, and it's not only backed by USDC, but it's like, I think like 80% or some large component. Um, but there's also sort of the algorithmic component as well, where maker and die sort of act together. Um, so what, what um, exchanges like, do you use body? I don't know if I ever asked you that. I play on Ethereum, man. I, uh, oh. I will occasionally use Trocador, especially for Monero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, sometimes I'll use flick, uh, fixed float, but you can't access fixed float from tour anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I kind of, but yeah, I mean, I, I try to do the, like the decentralized stuff, right? So I'm on Ethereum. <laughs> if they can ever prove, and I still want to see probably another year or two of these sort of layer two rollups, um, functioning. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see them have their keys destroyed. Um, cause they're still like, as they say, as Vitalik says, says, they've got training wheels on right now. So they're kind of in a beta phase where like they're running the code, but the the run like the people running these projects or behind these projects still have admin keys. They could still freeze your funds. They could still do like tricky stuff. So it's not entirely trustless. I would love to see them get rid of those training wheels at some point here. Maybe it'll take a year. Maybe it'll take three years. I don't know. But I use Ethereum because Uniswap is a decentralized exchange. There's problems. I know um, I'll be the first one to tell you that there's problems. There's um, uh, minor extractable value. There's sandwich attacks. Like there's there's things that go on there that aren't ideal. But I do like the fact that nobody can stop me from getting from, say, Ethereum to USDC or um, even even wrapped Bitcoin. Right. (laughs) There's there's like there's like 30 times more wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum than there is in Lightning Network. Um, so occasionally I'll use wrap Bitcoin to get exposure to Bitcoin. Um, and yes, I know we're talking centralized parties. That's a, that's a sacrifice I've been willing to make. Um, holding stable coins kind of saved my ass in the bear market. Um, so it's like, you know, yes, I, I have plenty of Monero and that's always like a big stash. And I try never to trade out of that because like, there's no trustless way except for atomic swaps. And I, I still haven't played with it. So I feel kind of sheepish about not playing enough with atomic swaps, but <laughs> still um, early. it's still early. You got, yeah. you got time. There's no, no liquidity there, really. Yeah. Um, let's see. So as long as we're talking about stories, um, let's cover the news, the financial news, uh, obviously not the, the broader news. Um, so we have the ETFs. We're all delayed until 2024 per the SEC. I think it's like there's 260 days that they have um, to like officially respond before they have to like say no. Um, so all of that got delayed till 2024. So pretty much all of the hype about the ETFs and, oh, BlackRock this, and, you know, they're the insider, so they'll get approved soon. That's all fizzled out. And I think that was another big part of this. Um, we pretty much, and I, I I mean, you saw it in real time if you live on Twitter, which unfortunately I've lived a, a bit too much on Twitter, admittedly. But um, we saw kind of the the hype and the momentum, the social psychology, that all fizzled out. It has, it's been fizzling out for like the past two or three weeks. Um, I think people do intuit that there should have been follow through. Uh, I think people kind of know that. And another thing to think about is that like the lines are kind of drawn like out out there in the broad world of purchasers and non-purchasers. Yes, you've got the DCA, the stackers, the cryptonauts, the crypto bros. Um, But like the people that everyone has had the opportunity to get exposure to cryptocurrency by now. And if you haven't, it's because you don't want to. So in a lot of ways, the lines are kind of drawn. And I think that's a factor in the stability of prices. 
um, that, that crypto seems to be exhibiting over time. Um, but, um, you know, we, we really might have to wait until 2024. Um, let's see. We talked about the Binance liquidation. Um, we could, so the OFAC decision is kind of like this big thing that happened, um, which isn't necessarily that related to price. So I'll save that. Um, maybe we could talk about that later on in the show or something, but, uh, I made kind of a big post breaking down what happened there. Um, I just wanted to mention that before moving on. Um, Okay, so in general, like what does the big, broad, the macro news picture look like in terms of crypto? Um, we've got BlackRock that wants to get into the game. They want to offer an ETF. Um, they are insiders, so it's probably likely that that will get approved. Um, there's the grayscale lawsuit against the SEC saying, hey, you guys are not treating us fairly. You're acting uh, in an arbitrary and capricious manner in terms of the way you apply these regulations. But this is all in the courts. That's going to take time. Um, and the SEC isn't going to rule on the BlackRock ETF until 2024. So what we have in front of us here are the Gox coin potentially being released on October 31st, although we haven't heard anything from the um, the trustee. So it, it, they could still they could still extend this. It could still happen. But um, it, it's drawing closer. Maybe it'll happen soon. Maybe it'll take until early next year. We have Binance on the ropes. And make no mistake, Binance is a big part integrated with Tether. And Binance is a big part of supporting and propping up crypto prices. Um, a lot of the move was generated by Binance and generated by the crypto insiders this past year. A lot of this move was generated by them to try and like get the FOMO, to get the hype, to get the plebs into the market. Um, but there's only so far that can go under sort of these austere um, tightening conditions that have been happening in the broader macro sense. Um, so that's like that's kind of like the news, the, the sort of... Um, uh, how would you put it, like the social, the news way of, of looking at things. Um, so with that, uh, hopefully we have time to sort of get into the charts here um, so we can like talk about the macro stuff. Um, so we'll talk about the dollar index because this is um, kind of like our big broad, you know, broad brushstrokes picture about what's what we can think about what's happening. When the dollar goes up, um, risk assets tend to go down. So um, we talked about this kind of fake out that happened, like totally faked me out too. Um, and then it bounced right back. So somewhere right around here, uh, you say, okay, you realize that was a fake out and then the direction is up. Um, this whole movement upwards is like, that was just not a good signal as we talked about the past few weeks, the fact that it continued going up. Um, it's at resistance right now. We've got sort of these multiple lines that I've drawn here. And you guys know that I draw multiple lines because um, I don't want to get married to like one particular way of drawing the line. I, I want to really understand when you're in a zone of resistance versus like actual like hard resistance. So this is like this line right here is the line. Like that's like the primary line that we should be looking at. And that's been broken. Like that's been clearly broken. Um, but I also redrew it a few different ways just because again, you know, it, it's possible that, that uh, the chart can change just a little bit. People look at different things. So right now we're, we're kind of in this zone of resistance right here. You could almost call this candle a shooting star. Um, it's not, it's probably not quite a shooting star, but it, it wouldn't be surprising for this to take a pause momentarily. Um, I don't think like if, if the dollar index wanted to be strong, it would have probably already just broken above here and stayed above here. And the next thing we would expect is a retrace to this and then bounce. So right now it looks like what we might see is something kind of like this, maybe down, come back here and then break to the upside. That doesn't necessarily have to happen. Again, when I draw these squiggles, they are not, you know, unless I'm like really hammering that I think this is what's going to happen. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're really speculative. Um, so anyways, the point is dollar index doesn't necessarily have to break out immediately, but we should expect that this thing is eventually going to move to the upside, um, whether that's now or whether that's chop and then a little bit later. Um, but I do expect that this thing is going to move to the upside, at least 
At least that's what the chart says. Um, the other thing that would kind of indicate this, that would corroborate this, is the overnight repurchase agreements. Um, again, money stored with the Fed overnight. Um, you get the federal funds rate minus 0.1%. And uh, as we talked about last week, this is looking quite a lot like a bottoming pattern right here. Like this looks like it could it could move back to the upside. Um, maybe, you know, hypothetically, so see this yellow line down here? Uh, hypothetically, this could act as some kind of resistance. So if and when price makes it there. Now, at the same time, like notice how things just crashed through there. This yellow line was not respected as a support. And when that happens, you usually don't expect it to be respected as resistance. So um, this thing does look a lot like a bottoming pattern, which would mean people moving to safety, right? People moving to the safe yield that they're going to get overnight with the Federal Reserve while maintaining high liquidity. Um, so that's what the uh, the overnight repurchase agreements would suggest there. Um, let's see. Take a look at the 10-year yield. So as we talked about last week, the 10-year yield was ready to shoot up, but that it was probably going to get some kind of resistance at this uh, at this previous peak back in October last year. So that's kind of what happened. You saw this bit of a shooting star right here, uh, and then we had sort of the first red candle in uh, in over a week. So this this will probably have some kind of resistance. There's probably some pause, which again, uh, we're talking about uh, cross-check. Whenever you're doing charts, you always want to do cross-check because things are correlated, anti-correlated, kind of sort of anti-correlated, kind of sort of correlated, right? So you want to like paint a big picture if you can and get a bunch of different charts to see if they're if they're painting a similar story, which right now they are. Dollar index is at a little bit of resistance, but wants to go higher. The 10-year yield looks like it wants to go higher, but again, is that resistance? And then we've got the repurchase agreements, which are sort of inversely correlated to the dollar index in, in kind of a certain way, or at least to risk assets, is forming a base and is ready to move to the upside. So um, this, this, will come, this will be important later when we start talking about crypto uh, and what prices are doing there. We talked about gold already, um, so kind of uh, expecting this to come back to the downside. Um, at some point here, gold is going to act like a protection asset because there is still a lot of inflation out there. Um, it, it is it is manipulated. It is the prices are managed and controlled, but it's not 100. You know, everything it's not everything is manipulation. It's just that we know that the cabal, the people, the deep state, whoever they don't want to see gold um, become like a safe haven asset, so they screw with it as much as they can. So we need to expect that will probably happen. Um, let's take a look here at, at Bitcoin and Ethereum because uh, we've been looking at this chart for a long time. This is uh, sort of the sum of Bitcoin and Ethereum market caps. You know, this breakdown was was like a very clear breakdown. Um, one thing that's happened here with this chart that's not good at all is that we're already below those August that the the August highs from last year. Uh, and things just broke down through that. You would have wanted to see this area at least hold a support and then kind of bounce back to the top side. Um, with the way these chart structures work, like that's that's really you want to see this hold support, retest that maybe, and then come back down. And this retest is like your opportunity to get out if you didn't get out. Um, right now, <laughs> there hasn't you know it's just been down uh, in terms of the Bitcoin and Ethereum when we look at them together. So this is not a good chart. This is this does not look like a chart that's about to go make new uh, local <laughs> highs. So uh, moving on. Um, oh, yeah, we need to look at the uh, the yield curve inversion. Yield curve inversion is the pink line on the bottom. This thing is more inverted than it basically ever has been. It's like historically more inverted than ever. Um, it's the sum of all of these different. So you'll notice the one year, the two year, the five year, the 10 year, the 30 year. Um, you can look at any one of these in isolation. You could say, what's the spread between the one year and the 30 year or the five year and the 10 year? And people look at that when they say the yield curve is inverted. They're usually talking about just a pair of um, you know, of different uh, maturity linked bonds. But 
what I do is I sort of take the difference between all of them and then I sum them up or I average them. Uh, and that's what produces this pink line. So I can get like an overall picture of what the overall yield, uh, yield curve inversion looks like. So anything below zero, uh, this, uh, obviously this, this line right here, anything below zero is inverted. Um, and again, the thing that indicates a stock market, like major systemic crash is nearing or, or could be close is when you see this yield curve inversion violently uh, correct back into positive where it's no longer inverted. Um, but usually you only have like a day, like one or two days, a week if you're lucky. But you usually might only have like one day to actually like see this thing do this before like the market really tanks. So if right. this thing jumps to the upside, like and you got stocks or whatever, like just, I mean, just smash the sell button. Um, you, we won't like, there won't be enough time for me to hear on a Saturday morning to tell you like, Oh, this, ha it'll be too late. So, you know, if you see that thing, just smash to the upside. Um, that's, you got to get out like this. It, or, it's been inverted for, for so long though, right? It has. Yeah. So there's no reason that it necessarily has to come back to, um, to being not inverted. And in fact, I think that the feds reverse repo facility could, um, could keep the yield curve inverted for like, it, it could go on for years for all we know. Um, it has gone on for years. So if you look uh, back here at 2000, that would be 2006 to 2008 or 2007, uh, when in 2006, beginning of 2006 to the middle of two. So about a year and a half before this yield curve um, corrected. To that was right before the 2008 financial crisis. Right? Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, but with the, with the feds reverse repo facility, which, you know, they've never operated like they are now, it's possible that that could drive this yield curve inversion to just stay inverted for a long time. But um, even so, it's like it's something it's a very important signal to keep track of. It's an imminent crash signal. Um, so, again, like if this thing pops to the upside, like on on a Monday afternoon, like either you need to smash the sell button on fucking everything or you need to take some kind of like crazy out of the money um, options short on uh, anything. Doesn't matter. Probably just like the, the NASDAQ would be fine there. Um, so anyways, that's the uh, that's the yield curve inversion. Um, not too much here to look at. We could just take a quick look at the balance sheet. Um, basically, as of the past week, the Federal Reserve balance sheet has contracted by, looks like about, um, what would that be? 50 million, $50 billion, another 50 billion. Um, so yeah, that thing's contracting. Um, the M2 money supply, this is delayed. You'll notice that's only from July. So we, we don't have any of the recent data from the past two months, but it's always delayed. That's always the case. Um, <clears throat> we don't need anything else there. want to quickly cover the International Monetary Fund and um, what central banks are using as reserves. So um, central banks hold each other's currencies as reserves in addition to gold and probably other stuff. Um, back in March when the whole banking crisis was happening and then the Fed was just like on it like flies on shit, um, I was telling everyone, I said, hey, you know, the dollar is not going away as the world's reserve currency asset. Look at this data right here. The data we were looking at at the time was Q2, sorry, Q4 for 2022. And a lot of people said, well, you know, that's that's last year. The, the crisis just happened. Everyone's going to dump the dollar now. And I said, OK, but probably not. We finally have data for Q1 2023, which is when the banking crisis took place. And um, basically, the U.S. dollar gained ever so slightly. So um, the U.S. dollar is currently being used at about 59%. Um, it depends um, on whether you want to include the unallocated reserves, but it's something like 55 to 59% of the fiat currency held by central banks across the world is US dollars. And that's been consistent for quite a long time. So um, yeah, I mean, the dollar is, is not going anywhere. There's just nothing to replace it, but I just wanted to quickly cover that. Um, the data that we have doesn't show us that 
central banks are dumping dollars as reserve assets. There's just nothing to replace it. None of the nations want to export their currency that causes a hollowing out of your manufacturing base. Um, and they just don't want to do it. So there's just nothing like there's nothing to replace the ugly dollar. Like it's, it's, it's the least ugly, uh, you know, currency out there in terms of fiat. So um, let's see, we could talk about the stock market just very quickly. Um, we don't need to talk much about it. This is the NASDAQ. So, you know, things broke above this and then we had this really nice, big, long, you know, pump almost quite nearly, um, got back to the all time highs. Things have come back down here and have hit this line again. So painting the picture of the dollar index need is at resistance. It needs a moment to pause. The 10 year yield needs a moment to pause. Um, it looks like we could see potentially some kind of rebound, uh, some kind of support happen here. Maybe it could play out like that, right? So hypothetically, you know, you could find some port, support, come up down here, test this again. And if you come up here and then test this line again and you start to see that, that is again a sign that that more downside is on the way for the stock market. Uh, that's the S&P. Uh, sorry, that was the NASDAQ. And then the S&P, kind of, kind of same story here. Um, let's go ahead and turn on the wave magic and just take a quick look at, at that. Um, it takes a second to compute. If it doesn't want to, then we'll just move on. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's it's fast. What is what are you loading now? This is oh okay. You're the wave. Yeah, the so I call it wave magic, but it's really you could think of it like advanced Bollinger bands. But I mean, come on, what sounds cooler, wave magic or advanced <laughs> Bollinger bands? So again, the the blue lines are upper standard deviation across multiple different timelines. Um, again, so it's like. If you look at, a, at one moving average, you'd be like, I love looking at the 21 day moving average because that's three weeks. And that's I don't know, that aligns with astrology. Uh, but someone else is like, yeah, but I like a 100 day moving average because it's a round number. The, forget that. Forget all that noise. Like just overlay all of the moving averages at the same time from like from from the 10 day to the 100 day to the thousand day to the 5000 day, which is the maximum 5000 periods is the maximum. You can look back, um, just overlay them all together. And this is what pops out when you do that. Um, something I've been using for a long time that I've, I kind of kept pretty close to the vest. I haven't really wanted to share it because it's, um, it's a unique idea and I've never seen it anywhere else. So anyways, we've got these like clusters of bands right now. We're um, essentially the S and P um, after bottoming here last year um, got back up into the main standard deviation cluster. And then once we got to this point right here uh, and this point right here, I said, okay, we're getting close. Like we're not, I'm not top calling yet, but we're getting close. You rarely see a chart that will go to a large cluster. So going back a little bit further, um, you can see that price basically rode the standard deviation lines all the way until the peak of 2021. And when price comes back down and then falls out of like the upper standard deviation cluster like that, when it finally rebounds to the upside, you almost never see it come here establish support immediately and then go to the tops, you know, start going for a new bull run. In right. almost all cases, these are, I think these are psychological levels because humans are very good statistical intuition machines, especially in aggregate. So when you get to this, uh, to this, this area right here, you think, okay, we're getting close. Things popped up to the top side and now things are going to have to come and take a look down at the bottom uh, or sorry, take a look at, it's going to have to find support somewhere, right? Could that be, could that be like regular pleb lines? Could it be somewhere like this? You know, I think it's very likely again that the S and P is, is going to find support at this sort of convergence of that previous uh, peak that we saw in August last year, and also sort of the bottom range of that standard deviation cluster. I think that's likely maybe to range here for a little bit. 
Um, and then we'll have to play it by ear. But I don't think that the S&P is just going to, or the NASDAQ are just going to rebound from. Um, okay, so that's enough on the S&P. I'm trying to fly through some of this stuff because I'm, I'm trying to cover it all <laughs> since there's so much price action uh, that, that happened. Um, let's just look at Bitcoin in isolation. This was the chart that I posted on Twitter. Um, I try not to bombard with charts. There was a whole more, a bunch of stuff I could have posted on Twitter, but I really want people just to see the big picture here. And the big picture is that, um, you know, we, we have this big rising wedge um, that in these rising wedges tend to break down unless you're in like a very macro bullish scenario, which we were not. So um, really like your moment to get out of this chart was this dotted line right here was when price came down, it broke the main line, uh, which was, uh, sorry, it broke the main line, which was this guy right here. Um, at least that's the way, that's kind of what I considered to be um, the main line. Or I'm sorry, excuse me. Let's actually just remove that. This main line, because this is the easiest one. It makes the most sense. It connects the most points easily, right? Whatever. Um, so we broke that down and then we're sitting at this dotted line right here. And that dotted line was very important because that was the bottom of the summer low of 2021. That was kind of like the close price support. So not the wick support, but the close price support of 2022 when things just before things crashed back down um, to below 20K. And then that line also acted as support here. That was like our first major, uh, sorry, resistance area. Um, and then the hope was, you know, that we had gotten above that, finally establish it as support. Um, and then we could make another run to the upside. But that's not what happened. Um, <clears throat> instead, you know, when price got down here, uh, and then I posted on Twitter, like, guys, take profit, like, get out now. Because, I mean, again, if you've been in the market since down down here, which you, you should have been, um, and that's what that's what we recommended here, um, you know, this is like the time to say, okay, this is your long-term trading stack, but things need to go down. Like, just take that off the table for now, and we'll see when, when is a good reentry on that long-term trading stack. Um, but the breakdown of, of this line, like, even getting down to there shouldn't have happened. And that's when I dumped uh, my long-term positions um, because... Like with all of the news, all the negative news with Binance and, and the ETFs being delayed and the and the the hype fizzling out and just everything across the board was just negative, negative. I said, no, like I'm not going to wait for us to break this down and then break that down. I'm just going to get out now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, um, you know, that's that uh, it just it doesn't look good. And it's just like the intuition. Everything is lining up like, no, let's just get out. Um, so, yeah, we've got this this big breakdown that happened here. We should be coming up on kind of like an interim support. Um, on this next dotted line, you'll see that was like the the top of the market in August uh, for Bitcoin. Um, that the sorry last August, obviously, um, which was also another kind of uh, resistance area as well. Um, going backwards, uh, no, that's only relevant for that time period. Um, so I would expect this should act as some kind of support. Maybe we'll get some rebound up here. Um, you could probably swing trade that if you want, and maybe I will. If um, you know things are kind of looking. Kind of congruent where we should see some support soon. Um, this is still falling knife territory, so you, you got to be really careful with that. Um, you know, I just you know I don't want anyone to to uh, to be like, oh, body said uh, time for swing trade. That's not what I'm saying. Just it's 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 a possibility. You, it's on the table. What do you what do you think the the scenario where we we go back down to like 2022 levels? Do you think that's that's oh yeah actually in the cards? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I definitely think that's that's a very easy possibility. So we could draw easily kind of a line that um, goes right here. So kind of like this area in general, right? That sort of the, that wasn't like the ultimate washout lows, but that was kind of like the support that happened for quite a long time last year. It would be entirely unsurprising to see price drop down to this area. Maybe it could find support um, right there. Because uh, I do think that there's going to be strong buying at some point. Strong buying is going to come in. People are going to say, oh, you know, 
this looks like the Bitcoin bottom. Oh, this looks like that kind of like double tap uh, that, that, that we've seen happen before, whether that was the bear market last time or the bear market in 2015, 2016. Um, I do think you'll see people and institutions um, get back in here and, and feel comfortable um, with, with starting to scale back in. So, uh, but I, I do think that very likely at some point, um, this area is on the table. Another thing we can look at here is let's go to the BLX chart, which is sort of the lifetime chart. And this is kind of something I just did this morning just to play around. So um, hopefully these are familiar lines for you guys now. The, uh, this is the regression analysis. Um, those are the, these are the extension lines right here. So the actual regression analysis lines I don't have turned on, but um, these, are, these are good for, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's kind of a weird way to phrase that. Just know that these dotted lines here, the, color, the blue, the yellow, and the, the, the red are the regression analysis, the red being like the lower boundary of Bitcoin price, and the blue being the upper. So what did I do? What is this, uh, what is this fractal here? What is this dubious fractal that I've, I've overlaid the, the blue line here? That is Bitcoin from, if you were to take, uh, if you were to start from about right here to the top of the market. So that would be the 2014, uh, sorry, the 2015 bear market all the way to the top of the 2017 bull market. Um, that's putting it over here. You'll notice it's not quite the same. So what did I do? I scaled it down to match the uh, the boundaries of Bitcoin price. Uh, and then I kind of lined it up with where it seems like it would make sense. So this right here, obviously being the first touch of the low, the all-time low, which lined up with like November of 2015, 2014. It's lined up in November 2014. Uh, which is, you know, pretty close right here to actually touching the the lows of 2022, which, um, you know, uh, November 2022. So that's kind of like the place you would line that up. These are closed prices, right? So the 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 fractal is not the wicks; it's only the closed prices on the weekly. Um, let's go to the weeks. Probably more sense from the week. Okay. So if we were to like draw this fractal out here and say, okay, could price kind of look like it did, um, you know? in this uh, sort of bear market and recovery, I think that's a reasonable um, possibility because I think the mechanisms that drove this bull market were very similar to the mechanisms that drove the 2014. So maybe the bear will be similar. Anyways, this is what it would look like. So it would not surprise me at all for price to come back down to the regression analysis, which is currently at about 20K, 19 and a half thousand. And then to just kind of like bounce along this for some period of time. So what I'm saying is that I do think it could be until middle of 2024 that we actually set any new local high. Um, we might need to bounce down here for quite some time. Um, that's well, we're, just... we're thinking of doing Monerotopia in, let's see, uh, like probably 2024 November through like 2025 January. How, how are we doing around that? All right. Yeah, you, it looks... something start to pick up. <laughs> I mean, you know, as dubious <laughs> as fractals are, if, <laughs> if we were to, yeah, so this would actually be the time that uh, that you might see some fresh uh, local highs. All right, yeah, well, we'll do it right there. What's that top you did right there? What's that date right there? That'd be 43,000. Now, that would be nice. Oh, what's the, the date? End- what's the date on that? Oh, uh, that's, uh, this This right here is uh, December of 2024. All right, so, okay. Let's see, let's erase that. So right here, this top is uh, October 2024, and then this top is December. Okay. Good time. Oh, man. Man, we got covering a lot. Moving moving fast. Sorry, I don't want to, like, hog the whole show today. Um, they just cut me off at any time. It was like, okay, we, uh, okay that's enough. Like a it's body too much price. show, just a dedicated show just for bodies. You can <laughs> no, we want them here. We want them here. <laughs> I thought about it. I, I thought about it. I know that putting on these shows are a lot of work. I see all the work that you guys do, and I'm just podcasting yeah, no, a lot of work. But do what you got to do. Okay, so Bitcoin dominance uh, has interestingly fallen. Um, Bitcoin dominance is not 
performing here as, as the bear market kind of uh, takes another swipe at people. Interesting. Interesting to look at. Uh, Ethereum versus Bitcoin. Um, remember, we talked about this descending wedge. This descending wedge is almost certainly going to break to the upside at some point. It doesn't have to be now. Um, probably it'll stay in this range. But at some point here, this thing's going to break to the upside, much to the chagrin of maximalism. But for all of the reasons that I like, I didn't want to be like an Ethereum, you know, a meth head or anything. It's just that I found myself there writing out the bear market. And I was like, oh, I can use this, uh, this Uniswap stuff and their decks and all this stuff to get in, get exposure to, to Bitcoin or just buy Ethereum or buy some degenerate, you know, shit coins could be Link, could be other ones, which shall not be named, which have collapsed very, very, very badly um, and get taken there. Uh, anyways, um, Ethereum, just like, it's just a useful platform and whether or not it's like, if it's centralized and it's bad and it's the... It's the Illuminati coin, uh, you know, whatever, like it's useful. And I found myself using it and I can't be the only one, right? Like sometimes I'll use things that like I'm going through as kind of a proxy to say, yeah, it's, it's likely that other people are experiencing the same thing. I think that's what's happening with Ethereum. We've talked about this for a long time. It's important. And at some point it's going to really perform. Um, doesn't have to be now, but it's going to break to the upside eventually sometime here between now, now and like next year. Um, okay. Finally, finally, ah, XMR Bitcoin. <laughs> Or sorry, X, just XMR. No, no, no. Who cares about Bitcoin? But let's take a look uh, at the ratio. Oh, because yeah, we, we like XMR Bitcoin. <laughs> it's, you know, right now, like XMR Bitcoin has, with Bitcoin falling, XMR has jumped to the top side. Um, again, this would kind of be another little, like, tiny, hmm, uh, that is CZ selling Bitcoin to try and prop up the price of BNB. Like, is someone out there selling specifically Bitcoin and not Ethereum and not Monero and not um, some of these other altcoins? Because, again, Bitcoin dominance dropped. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that doesn't prove anything. It's just like another tiny little point. Anyways, uh, Monero Bitcoin has, has, um, bumped to the top side of kind I of think the it's always uh, a great indication though, right? When, when Bitcoin drops Monero, it does like a little, little leg up against Bitcoin. That's yeah. That's see. That is like, that was such a market thing of the bear market in general, um, was, was that Monero performed for the entire bear market versus yeah. Bitcoin. Beautiful. And I, I think that's very telling, you know, like that is fundamentals asserting themselves during a bear market. Exactly. Um, so I think that the sort of, if my thesis is right, and from now until the end of the, the year, we're kind of looking at negative price pressures across the board, whether that's stocks, crypto, again, with little bounces here and there along the way, um, this would be a good thing. Like the, the sort of silver lining here is that XMR BTC ratio should start performing again. And you'll notice that um, this is our, our sort of resistance line right here. You'll notice we're, we're bumping up uh, against that. We bumped there. We bumped there. We didn't even come all the way back down to the bottom of this line before stopping. And then again, sort of coming near to the top of that area. So yeah, what we really want to see is follow through over the next week, over the next two weeks. Um, to where we make it basically to this next sort of interim line. Uh, that's sort of like the next major uh, resistance that you would look at this chart. Um, so uh, this thing has been chopping sideways for quite a while. Like we've talked is, you know, that's just what you should expect. Um, but there, there, it does look like the possibility is, is developing for this thing to start bumping to the upside and uh, to making its way back to the, uh, let's at least take, uh, take back the 006 level. That would be nice. Uh, yeah. 007 is, I think, like one of the more prominent but the 006 is kind of like 007 is prominent socially because it's cool to say, <laughs> but 006 is kind of like the, um, uh, the, from the last bear market from the 2019, uh, bear market where we, where we bottomed. So when was the last time we were at 0.01? 0.01. That would have been actually very recently, like, okay. 0 0.0095. That would have been, um, January of this year. Okay. So go figure January of this year, right? When all the markets start pumping. And just like I told you guys, 
the a lot of insiders, a lot of the crypto suits and the inside cabal pumped Bitcoin and pumped crypto, but specifically Bitcoin, because if you have limited funds, you're going to throw them at the, the most important one in people's minds to try and generate the FOMO. And that's like the pattern that they do. You can expect that to happen whenever we enter to the next like real bull market, which this was not a real bull market. You know, this was just an interim uh, sort of uh, bounce, you know, and it, it is like it, it's it's the forming of the bottom. Probably. Let's see. Monero versus U.S. dollar. OK, so we crashed, you know, just like everybody else did. Um, below this kind of like big long-term line, which, you know, you don't want to see that breakdown, but um, it looks like, it looks like that line is probably going to pose resistance. This line has just gone from being support. So this line right here, oh, hang on, if I can get it, my charts are slow, Uh, that line right there. So um, that's basically going to be a resistance line from now on. Um, But you can see that what happened is we came from the top of the standard deviation range here. And then when things fell, it finds support near the bottom of that area. If things get really bad, and I think it's very possible Monero might create nice divergence and just kind of hold its price while the rest of crypto over the rest of the year um, is having problems. I think crypto uh, Monero, there's a good case to be made that it could um, uh, have kind of another bull market again uh, in terms relative to Bitcoin and in terms to the rest of crypto. So I do think that this... um, these lower standard deviations are a good support area. Um, we do know that volatility happens. If volatility does happen, I think that this cluster of uh, moving averages right here, which is kind of like the long-term cluster of moving averages, that will be a really good support. That has been our bear market support for Monero uh, repeatedly. So worst case scenario is probably about $120, $120 uh, Monero um, with kind of this being the more like overall support. So about $130. Um, so that's kind of what to, how to think about this chart right here. Um, again, to support the case that Monero could, uh, multiple things, again, cross-check. If you're going to be like some kind of chart astrologer and reading the tea leaves or whatever, um, you need to do cross-check. You can't just look at one chart and say, this chart looks good and it's going to go that way. You've got to paint the picture. You've got to see, does everything line up together? Um, and again, we are seeing that. We're seeing this big head and shoulders here on the Monero dominance. Um, so if Monero dominance is going to go to the upside, which is what this chart uh, indicates, and we've also got the Monero Bitcoin chart that looks like it's forming a temporary bottom um, right here. And we know that Monero does well in the bear markets relative to the other coins. What does that tell us? Well, it says that it looks like Monero is setting up to do well relative to the other coins, which would ind- indicate um that we're kind of got a reassertion of the bear market here um, coming at us. So pretty much a guarantee. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, I, I promise Body you guarantee. I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. The, the funny thing is when I'm like really careful and I'm like, well, it looks like probably this is going to happen. I feel pretty confident about this, but I'm not like, it's going to happen guys. Yeah. Um, like Excellent. then the thing will happen. But like the moment that I start getting a little bit too confident, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the don't, moment don't it jinx it. Work. Don't jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, All right. don't jinx our bear market. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Uh, you covered a lot. It was a big week. So yeah, every, everybody, everything's going going to hell in a handbasket except for Monero, folks. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, that would Monero be. Monero nice. is your safe play. That would sell nice. everything else. Um. All right, man. Thank you so much. As <laughs> always, body bringing it. And hopefully you'll stick around because I think we even mentioned you in some of the some of the news this week. You did a great a great tweet thread on the, the OFAC. on the OFAC findings. Yes, awesome. Yeah, I'd love um, to. Uh, I'd love to off. chat about that. All right, sweet. Yeah, please stick around. All right, guys. See you. All Cheers. right, thanks, you buddy. All right, going on to 
man, that was that was a lot. That was. Like, I know, I know, but yeah, this is this is a big week, though. You know, there's there's, oh, there's yeah, this is actually action. It's, yeah, it's interesting because it's been quiet the last few weeks. So this week, there's a lot of spicy. Stuff. I mean, um, it's you know, obviously here at Monerotopia, price isn't really the concern, right? We're more interested in the you know what's the development that's going on in Monero and people using Monero. But I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's nice. It's like no, I mean it's it's yeah. like it's you have to worry about it in a way because like you know we're yeah, putting all this money into indicator. it, but it's yeah, it's, it's good, good to know. Yeah. But yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the dev segment with you. Let's do it. And now for the Monero development segment. Dude. Hey, how's it going? What's good going morning, on? Nothing much. My camera literally just chose to go out of focus. Yeah, you look a little fuzzy the, today. The moment I went, we, we guys brought me up. I don't know. But I guess I'll be like Tuxedo today. It's a little, it's kind of anonymous. Pseudo anonymous. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hear you loud and clear. So at least we got that. Well, well that's good. Uh, I really enjoy Body's um, presentation. I'm not much of a trader myself. But I like to probably apply those principles to my life, you know, map out data. See, make sure all my stories are adding up to something that makes sense. Don't just trust one line of stories. Really interesting stuff. That's very true. That's, that's wisdom to live by. Good point. <laughs> yes, it's not just uh, things you should apply to trading, but in general, right? When, in general, make sure all the stories are at least pointing in the right direction. <laughs> but yeah, um, today um, I start off with a. There's even this big hack, and oh, I don't. Let me call it a hack. This, this is this is the most interesting story where I went in with a with an idea of I thought I knew what happened and I did more research and it wasn't like that at all. So it was very, very interesting. <laughs> That'd be a really cool superpower to have actually. <laughs> if I could have I'm like so always I'm, appear blurry on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah always appear Face blurry on camera. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um this is so this story is about a, a mistake made in a cryptographic live I don't even know what a mistake, a miscommunication that led to people losing, I think, around the counts, like probably over a million dollars in Bitcoin and other coins. So, oh, wow. But I thought it was a hack or an exploit, but it's not really that the more you look into it. So, um, yeah, and, and the name of this exploit is called Milk Sad. So you can <laughs> Google Google that if you want to learn more about it. But yeah, it's a very interesting story that gets at the core, I guess, of some questions in the decentralized space like who is responsible for lost funds right when it's not something malicious wait so, what, i don't know I'm sorry, what was exploited though what where did the the hack take place oh i'll we'll get into that we'll okay. get into that i don't see i don't i don't, don't want to call it a hack because well, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you the things and you can interpret them okay. how you want to i haven't really come to terms of what it exactly is. so okay. to here goes a news article milk sad issue results in nine hundred thousand stolen from crypto wallets I think that's an underestimation. In my research, I think that they theorized that it was around 900,000, the ones that they know for sure, right? But you can't really know for sure if, like, someone's wallet was hacked because someone might not know yet. Someone might not report to it. Like, if you get hacked, what do you do? Do you do you email the, the team? Be like, I was hacked. Add me to the list. Do you go to the cops? I have no idea. So this estimate, in my understanding, is probably on the low end. Oh, it's called Milk Sad. Because um, you know when you create your Monero Bitcoin wallet, the it gives you these words, right? It gives you a mnemonic phrase, which is like yes. it can be 12, 25, or 24. The 
the way this library was created, some of the the first words were always milk sad if you use certain parameters. Oh my right? god! Uh, okay. Yeah, so it, it, it's it gets it's it gets crazy if you use yeah it's it's a. I started last night, uh, albeit a bit late, and I ended up staying up late just being like changing my slides constantly because this wasn't what you what it says on. It's, yeah, so they call it an issue, but let's get into the actual specific issue and understand. This issue, you have to understand that entropy is everything. That applies to physics. It applies to whatever you're doing in life. Entropy is everything. But in this case, entropy helps you secure your wallet. Because the only thing keeping your funds yours are your 24 words, your 12 words, your 25 words. And they're very important. Because if someone gets these keys, right, they can have your Bitcoin. Bitcoin is decentralized. Also applies to Monero. Monero is decentralized. There's no authority that says these are your coins. The only thing that proves these are your coins is that you possess the password to transfer them, right? Everyone understands that. If not, if you've been watching Monero Topia, you don't understand what goes on with your mnemonic. I, please get some consultations. Please, <laughs> please get consultations. Reach out to us for some private tutoring. It will... Yeah, some private tutoring. This is very important. These are the only things that entitles you. Don't lose your coins to email Doug being like, hey, I lost my coins. Like, Who do I email to get them back? There's there's none of that in this space. You you lose your words or if someone else gets their words, your, your money's theirs, essentially. So very important that these words be random right you can't just have it be like right you can't just write down like random ones in your head because humans are really bad at entropy and making random numbers so in general the way that you assess how strong a password is is that you measure it in bits right so you would say if your password was either yes or no that would have two bits of two bits of entropy essentially so the standard for any like the standard for anything that's remotely secure in a decentralized manner is going to be 128, which is down here, which is a very big number. I don't even know if that number even has a name, but it's like three times 10 to the 38. That's a big. very massive number. And that would what you would be called around 128 bits of entropy. That is the base standard for any cryptographic wallet. Any cryptographic wallet, you're going to have a base standard of 128. And that corresponds to roughly 12 words, right? So, you know, some wallets have 12, 24, 25. So if, if a wallet does its job well, anything above 12 words is going to be pretty secure, right? And then, but you want to go super, super secure, which doesn't really make sense in, in this context. I'll explain later why. You would use 256 bits of entropy. And that corresponds to this bottom number here, which is 1 times 10 to the 777. So basically, to put that in some perspective, 256 bits is about the number of atoms in the universe, right? Mind-boggling big number it's i can't even explain it's really hard to explain how big these numbers are but let's say your your password had one bit of entropy that would mean that you roughly had two guesses if, it, if you have four bits of entropy you have eight guesses to make and it grows i guess exponentially after that. and if, the most important number i want you to remember is this 32 bits of entropy because it's very important to this story 40 32 bits of entropy gives you roughly four billion guesses does that sound like a lot? Are so you saying there's a chance? There's a chance. Four billion <laughs> guesses sounds like a lot, right? It's more than eight guesses, but less than the number of atoms in the universe. <laughs> so there's a chance. Remember that number. 32 bits roughly corresponds to around four billion guesses. And this is the guesses to cover the entire search space. If you were to assume that you only had to guess half of the search space and you still got the password, it would only be two billion, right? Large number, but we're going to get to that later. 
and your and your password roughly probably has around one million. Being on a I mean being on a positive side, twenty bits of true entropy in the password is pretty good for something that you remember and you write down. But keep this in context. I want to I want to contrast crypto space to the everything else. So if your password has one million bits of entropy, that's not a big issue, right? Because if it's a centralized system, I can just put this little robot thing here and I can rate limit you to one guess a minute, right? So even if there's only a small number of guesses, it's a, it's somewhat okay because they can only throw so many guesses at the platform. So it's not like the worst issue, right? Because you can't make a million guesses on facebook.com. Facebook.com just going to ban your IP and you're going to be like, oh, well, right? <laughs> They're going to rate limit you and ban you. So that's okay in centralized systems. Having it's okay with an asterisk, but it's not as bad as in Bitcoin, but not in decentralized systems. So if you have the Bitcoin as an open ledger, there is no way to rate limit it, essentially. There are some things you can do by making people hash a password, do all those kinds of things. But if someone wants to guess, you know, four mil 40 million guesses, they can easily do that with Jack and GP. So in a decentralized system, the, the bare minimum you want to really have is 128 bits of entropy. And remember that those 32 bits of entropy here. So basically, just a summary of what happened. There's this book called Mastering Bitcoin. You, you've probably read it. It's written by Andreas Anopoulos, literally a god. Like, I would not be in cryptocurrency if it wasn't for this man. But in his book, he actually, or the people behind the book, recommend this way of writing a seed. It says, go to this, install this program, run this code here, and you will get a, you know, a private key that you can store Bitcoin in. And it's meant to be a book that people develop with and use. So I think it's targeted at developers at some point. But the problem with this code here is, is that it only gives you 32 bits of entropy, which you remember earlier is around 40 million guesses, right? And, and, the, and the surprising thing is about this code is that it can... A developer didn't misuse a library. This library only ever could give you 32 bits of it, right? So it wasn't like they went and chose the wrong library. This code can literally, by definition, only give you 32 bits of entropy. It wasn't, and the person who wrote this code knew that. So it's very interesting how, how this happened. I'm going to you know, tease you a little bit, but this is actually crazy because it only gives you 32 bits of entropy by definition. I found this from like 30 seconds of Googling. So this wasn't, a mistake by the person who developed the code. It wasn't a mistake about it. They knew that this only gave you 32 bits of entropy. But the story about how it ended up in this book is very interesting. I'll get to that later. Am I going too fast? I want to make sure. No, I think you're good. There's a lot of moving parts that I didn't want to bring it all together. So, so there's this code that only gives you 32 bits of entropy, which is not enough. Because how hard is 32 bits of entropy to guess? A gaming computer could, could cover that in a day essentially. In a day, a gaming computer could run 40 million guesses at this password and deterministically guess every possible combination and look it up and, on their Bitcoin node within a day, right? So not remotely secure at all, but really bad stuff. So if you use this book and you follow the, the code in this book, your funds are probably not yours. Anymore, right? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And this is a big a book. Data this, center. Wait, I, I, and I think I missed something in what you're saying. So, mm -hmm. but why, why would, why did this code even exist? This was just for people for generating. See, why wasn't there some standard that was used that was much better than? <laughs> but he's got that in the slide. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like you, you, it sounds malicious, right? When you think about it, it sounds malicious. Like, why would someone knowingly use this code that only gives you 32 bits of? Interest? But right. how this code ended up being in this book breaks the question of who's responsible when mistakes happen, right? So I'm gonna get that later, but that's a real—that's the core of the question here. 
and, and just to put it in context, storage cannot help you. If you put your keys in a vault in the Alps mountains and in the country, you would still lose your money. There is no, if you use this code to create your wallet, your money is gone. There is nothing you could do. You could use a, you could have put it, you could have ripped the paper up and like put it in 3 million pieces. If you use this code, it doesn't have enough entropy to be um, secure. So your money's gone. Terrible, terrible things. This is like, yeah, one-on-one, you don't do this. Don't roll your own crypto, do not do this. But the story of how this happened is very interesting. So Andres Anopoulos posted this code submit in their open source book, right? It says um, BXC uses to generate a private wallet. But the actual code is going to, I'm going to just present the facts and let y'all decide. I have my opinion, but I'm going to let you decide who's at fault and how this happened. Because the person, I, I, wrote, I looked at this code. This line here is actually seven years old. It's quite an old line of code. And if you click on a profile of the person who wrote this code, it's very interesting because a character shows up that y'all all know. Uh, we all know in the room. Um, Douglas Truman actually interviewed, because the person oh. who chose actually Eric Volskill. So you actually oh, interviewed shit. him. Yeah, him? small world. <laughs> he's the one that developed this? Yeah, but, but no, no, but I don't think he's at fault. I'm, I'm, I don't think he's at fault. I'm going to give more detail. I just wanted to plug. I'm, I'm ready to throw him under the bus here. I mean, no, no, I, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to plug Monero talk. Of course, Doug is so prolific that you're researching anything. <laughs> Doug is, is going to show up. We've spoken to a lot of people. We really have. Some way. I don't know. I literally started this off. Did so this just naturally I, show up while you were looking up the guy? Yeah, it's naturally Eric? showed up. I'm like, oh, oh that's amazing. Him? And the images is like, the third image is like this interview happening it's like actually i don't doug is prolific people like like just understand how prolific doug is but yeah that was an interesting convo by the way i recommend people uh check that one out yeah um very interesting um i'm not gonna spoil it for people but um doug is um a hard-hitting interviewer i'll say that (laughs) doesn't let up but i love it i love it so he wrote the code in the library right let's make that clear i mean this is the book that it was in that it was spread um, Andres Anopoulos, um, mastering Bitcoin, legend in the space. But um, the the thing is with this is that he actually this library when you build when you build a library like this, usually the entropy is left up to the developer to choose how they use the entropy. Actually, mm. right, because it's a library. I'm not supposed to. Your entropy is so important that most libraries leave it up to the developer to bring in their own source of entropy because entropy can come from many different places. It could come from the random generator on the computer. You can do certain things to it. So most of the libraries recommend you do your own entropy, which this library did, in fact. So he actually has a thread where he goes through and talks through how he put warnings on the library. And I did look, look at the warning. He did put a warning on the library that you shouldn't use this directly. You should bring in your own source of entropy. Mm. But the warning wasn't that big, right? But at the end of the day, right, the code is open source, right? So I think that um, and the interesting part here also is that Andreas' um, book is also open source and free. So I think it was a miscommunication. It was a miscommunication, honestly, that led to this code being in the library. The, the person who developed the base library has a warning kind of small library has a warning or kind of small warning that says do you should use your own source of entropy in this library and i guess someone didn't read that and then they ended up in andreas's book and then someone put money in the wallet so uh i don't know if, who's responsible i don't know do y'all have any questions i present the argument well enough 
Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy. I don't I don't know yeah. who, who should be. That is, that is kind of it's crazy how this uh this library ended up being recommended in this mastering. Bitcoin right, it's book. like the most trusted. And right? then, yeah, it's like it's like this is like yeah. where just like randomly trusting stuff just because it's like from good people and open source can go wrong is like down the yeah. line somehow because of this one library that didn't have a super great warning now a freaking wallet is using it right. to generate m- mnemonics and now everyone's money yeah. is gone wait so yeah. how many do we know how prolific the use has been of this and like what applications um, they, they know for a f- um i don't think it was using a lot of wallets because most wallet developers know like not to just use like they entropy's if you get one thing right in your wallet, it has to be entropy. So a lot of wallets weren't using it. But the book like has been around for like I think like eight, nine years, right? So I think people are literally following the book as a trusted source and doing it themselves mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. command line. Like you can go back to the book and it has instructions on how what to type into your Linux command line. So I think people were actually following along with it. And there's no warning in the book, as far as I know, that tells you this this is not good practice essentially. As far as I can tell, I looked at it and there was no warning. So people were actually following this, trusted this book and followed the book and instructions here. You can literally zoom in and see the BXC, do this, do this. You get this private key. So, And it, and it clearly yeah. warned in the book? like that the No, the book had no warning. Oh, I thought you said it mentioned that the entropy... The, was... the actual source code, right? Because the person who wrote oh, the source book code... book had no warning. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so this is the actual code. And the library had like a warning above it. It could have been bigger, right? I'm looking at it, I'm like... If, if your default behavior is insecure, you should probably, like, throw up major warning flags. But, like, you know, eh, it is what it is. But the book has, has no warning. I think that it... Yeah, it says... It's yeah, there's there's contributory never- negligence here. I mean, it's... it's Obviously, yeah. you, you wouldn't want to set some precedent where people who develop open source code are then liable to suit, right? It's kind of at yeah. your own risk. But then even Matt, like the book is literally called Mastering Bitcoin, right? Here he is. He's teaching you how to master Bitcoin and he's giving potential, giving you advice where you're, you're opening yourself up to, to losing your Bitcoin. I'm not suggesting, you know, that we move towards a more, you know, an even more litigious society where we start suing people like Andreas for lost Bitcoins. But shit, it, it, I wanna, anything, it, it's just yeah. bad. It's just bad for his, um, you know. His character and how how people will treat him going forward, right? Really, like uh, you can't you can't trust what the guy says. I mean, because yeah, he, he holds himself out as an expert. I'm not. Um, I like all the people involved in this, and I my heart goes out to all the developers. Being a developer is quite difficult. Um, but yeah, uh, I presented the evidence. You know, as far as I know, allegedly this is allegedly. Don't sue me, please. Don't sue me. This is allegedly. <laughs> as, as far as I know, my hours of research is a, a true story. You know, so I don't know. I'm of the opinion that, you know, the code's open source and it literally says they can't hold you liable. So legally, yeah. you know, but that would be hard. That would be horrible precedent to set, right? If people start yeah. suing open source devs, and it would just it would just stymie all, all creation. But, people would be afraid but, to create code and put it out there. Yeah, but I mean, the library does have a warning in it. So I, it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like honestly the responsibility is probably like if they like you know they probably could disclose it better, but really the responsibility is probably on the wallet developer. For, like, well, there was no wallet. It was the, so I guess the, the writer, in your opinion, you think is the like I don't know who's the wallet developer because the person is writing code in their like they're copying code basically from online or from a book and then pasting it. So all they, I don't know who's the you know I don't know. Hmm. 
Oh, it's people just generating their own Bitcoin seed using uh, that library, like by itself on the command line. Yeah, basically they were following, they bought the book and they were like, oh, I want to do this. They followed on the book and the book, the code from the book was not secure. And as far as I know, it doesn't have any. There's there's no one to blame. That's that's like saying, you know, what if there, what if the flaw was even (laughs) deeper and it was a flaw in the Bitcoin protocol itself, right? Well, you, you took the risk, you know, you listened to the experts you thought everything was sound, but there's there's some major hidden exploit in Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, who, who, you know Satoshi, <laughs> Satoshi gets blamed. I mean, he's anonymous. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that's but, it. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. You know, you're, you're playing. But I know there was several wallets that did actually fire. use that, um, based on like the website and stuff, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, with the like in the like trust wallet and stuff. Or yeah, because it was trust wallet, yeah. the big one that used that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a while ago. They, they upgraded, right? Uh, obviously, <laughs> after everyone lost their money. <laughs> yeah. <late>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the even these wallets, though, when they're if they're if they're ever exploited, I mean, are they? You know, their their terms are probably pretty airtight, right? Against the, like it's at your own risk, right? Yep, they're not responsible for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, it's a good question, especially this. This is something that hasn't really come up generally in the like software space. If I give money to you and you. I have a service with you and you do something wrong, you're responsible, but it's decentralized. So I don't know, like it's, it's a whole different ball game than what we're used to. So I don't know how this is going to be. These issues will keep happening in the future. I don't know how it's going to evolve from a legal standpoint, you know, business standpoint. I, I just don't know. It's a very interesting question though. Who's responsible at the end of the day? You know? Yeah. I mean, my tendency, yeah. I, I would want to live in a world where, you know, we're not, we're not holding the devs responsible. We're not even, we're not holding people like Andres responsible. We, we don't want to stymie, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. people coding and, and, and contributing. It's, it's at your own risk as the user, ultimately at the end of the day, and you yeah. have to make the best choices. And when you, when you choose a wallet, you have to choose one that you think has been vetted by the community. You know, you're not choosing some fly by night operation. <laughs> uh, it's like anything else with the exchanges, right? It's what this whole movement it's about. It's it's you know be your own bank. It's what you know libertarianism is all about. The responsibility with with great freedom comes great responsibility. So it's ultimately up to the user to not get figure out how to not get burnt. Yeah, I agree with Doug, but I'm just gonna you know I'm biased because I do write code and do develop laws. So obviously I'm like the end user should be responsible. <laughs> obviously, right? So I agree with Doug though. It is in in the license here. It says. Most of most open source licenses are like you cannot sue us. You like this is at you know at your own risk. So you know it is what it is. But I mean this this, this is know. similar to what happened to me yesterday. Oh, I, I went I went to the gym mm-hmm. and somebody stole my sneakers. I change I change out of my sneakers every day and put on other sneakers. I lift my sneakers. I leave them under the bench. Right. I don't put them in a locker. They're sneakers. They're who, who steal sneakers? But they got stolen. You know, then I, I go, I go up to the the front desk and I tell them, and I'm like all angry. <laughs> but ultimately, it's my responsibility. I, there's no one for yeah. me to blame. I mean, other than the than the schmuck who stole them, and I, I wish so I could figure out who it is so I could go. You know, like, did he try them on first? Like, how does that work? Like, you try so, do you try them on, make sure they fit, or do you just? Like, I don't know. Somebody, like... they, I mean, they, were, they were black Nikes. That I like them. I guess other somebody else did, but I mean, that's like as low as you can go. Stealing somebody's used snitches <laughs> this is at my, my gym i like kind of it was one of those moments where you know your your faith in society just like takes a step down i'm like like this is, i'm like we live in horrible times like 
<laughs> I can't. I can't. Well, shoes. I mean, you live in New York. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, even I wouldn't do that. Right? Even I wouldn't do that. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> Just right. yeah. it, was, it was my responsibility. Should have locked him up. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But then also, I've seen some like. But then like, dude, you get to this issue of like, what if a dev is malicious, but you can't tell the difference between malicious and stupidity, right? Like, if a mm, dev's yes. malicious, who who's responsible? But you, they look the same. Right, I mean, someone, this yeah. this would have been a great, you know, if, if somebody was malicious, right? Like, oh, let me yeah. put this book, get millions of people to use it, and just sit and wait and collect Bitcoin, you know, off of it and exploit. Literally, that's like literally what could have happened not yeah. saying it did at all. i'm not i love andres i respect it i'm not i would wouldn't even insinuate that but the idea it, it, it was it, you said it was it was eric who created the code right the base code the base code wallet but he did have i'm like he did have a warning in the repo that said this you know not good entropy you should use your own well, why would he set it with bad entropy because um, why would you set it with yeah. with bad bad and be like oh by the way you should in small print you know you, you better not like why would you do that I'm gonna try to maybe give a reason. Maybe it makes it live is like a, as an example. Maybe okay. I, that's a good question that I don't have an answer to. Maybe I'm gonna do a charitable view. Maybe it makes the code easier. Maybe it's like, oh, this is just I can just run it, you know, as an example, play around with it. Maybe so I'm gonna initialize it with bad entropy, and you can add your own. We you actually want to use it. Right, you know, right. But then the way other libraries handle that is that they they just enterprise they um give you entropy that's. Like they, they don't give you any entropy. They just said as zero, and it gives you the same word every time, so that it's clear. Right. So then it's like versus, clearly known that it's bad. <laughs> Do not. Yeah, get versus it. giving you like that looks good if you look at it. Oh, give you something different every time I plug it in, but it's actually not. So yeah, we should have him come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> talk about what's going on. I don't know. I don't want to accuse anybody. This is you for see, me. I mean, it, yeah. you know, uh, obviously this means nothing. But in my my talk with him, I get I get a very genuine good like good. Yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah. I, I I really would be shocked if it, if he was doing something nefarious that doesn't come. That would, across that'd be like as well. yeah, super yeah. clever though. Like honestly, like yeah, it would mastermind kind of big brain play in terms of. But but maybe maybe in his mind, ethically, he doesn't see it as an issue. Like well. Be your own bank, guys. You. It's up to you. Like you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna walk you through this. Yeah, I even told I you. I even told you it was shitty. Even and I, I'm sitting here waiting to exploit it to see if you've learned your lesson. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, cause like I think malicious devs should be held accountable, but in some context, malicious and stupidity look very similar. You know, so I, right. I'm not saying that's what happened here. I think this is a miscommunication. Maybe that the library will be changed. There was actually a big debate because the person who wrote the original like Milksad release. The, um, he pretty much he wrote it or the team wrote the release saying we found this exploit and he sent it to the guy who wrote the library Eric on his team right and the team's like this is not an exploit this is just bad this is people using my code poorly and they they went back and mm -hmm. forth and they they eventually they eventually got a like a CVE rating which pretty much says it was an exploit someone gave them a CVE rating so I don't know how it really I think it's still going back and forth but at first he was literally like this is not an exploit this is how the library's like meant to be used devs should be responsible for using it well so you know yeah. Yeah. wait it, so it sounds like a mirror the description part of for the cde well. on uh, meter.org looks weird too it just doesn't yeah it's, it's made by it's them very interesting very mm -hmm. very interesting still developing still developing story that's my you know this is from me reading eric's tweets for me i went and looked at what he said happened so this might not you know this is me actually you know, I, I remember now i'm reading i remember eric talking about the um the software, the alternative software that he created, right? Libit yeah. Bitcoin. 
yeah, yeah and, that's he, it. and he worked with Amir on that. Yeah, I I do recommend going back and listening to that that interview. Yeah, here goes a piece of code that was um in there that wasn't. Uh, I mean, you mean Amir from Fire? Amir, Amir Taki. Amir, what project is he working on? Uh, I mean, right now he's working on DarkFi, but he's he's an old school Bitcoin oh. crypto anarchist. Very 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 awesome dude. But he yeah. was a part of this Libitcoin thing. We've had him on before. Um, of course, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll have him on again <laughs> soon. We ha- I, I, I've gotten to know him well too because I've, I've met him a few times now in person. He's he's a really great guy. Um, but maybe we can get him on. Maybe he would comment on this as well. But yeah, I think it's just. I think it was just obviously it was just a mistake. My my, yeah, I would think obviously. it's just you know it was just a mistake that was made in the early days. Yeah. This was created in, in 20, 2011 when they were working on that. Yeah. I mean, and like right. I, I think I don't I don't think he's malicious because if he was malicious, he wouldn't have waited seven years to export it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, oh, man. Uh, yeah. This is uh great as always. I, I love the I love these things, these dev report, man. You're you're doing a fantastic yeah. job. These are great. Digun, thank you, man. Stick stick around if you can. Yeah, we will go to the special guest segment. Hey, Digun, spicy as always. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Good job. All right. Yeah. Is our is our special guest on board? Is it, or did we lose him? We we took so long He's to in get the this. backstage. Um, Mad Monkey, are you ready? Is he ready? Oh, does he have his camera? I hope he's got a camera going. I wanted him to show off what he's been working on. Oh yeah, he's got his camera. On. All right, let's let's right, run sweet. the uh, let's run the guest segment. The Monero Topia segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet Store. Send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. All right, Mad Monkey, you there? Mad hello, Monkey, hello, Mad hello, Monkey. hello, guys. Do you hear me? Yes, we hear you. We hear you. Hello, we hear me. Yes. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> How do things with you guys? Good, man. Good. Th- thanks for jumping on. Um, you you want to quickly intro yourself? Uh, what can I say? You know, I'm the just kind of Monero Maxi who try to uh, discover the space, like with the passion for the wood, like, you know, to create like possibilities for us, you know, like everybody is looking for freedom, like, you know. Yes. I, I met like Mad that. Monkey. I met Mad Monkey in person at MoneroCon this year in Prague. Uh, an, an amazing dude. An amazing guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Heart, He's heart, heart, heart of gold. Heart of gold. He came came up to me out of nowhere. Uh, we started talking. I guess he he knew me from from the shows. I didn't know him. Exactly. But we were, exactly. There was an an instant bond created. Very 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 nice dude. And he was he was DJing at Monero Con all weekend, doing among other things. Really just kind of setting the vibe. I think you 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 kind of you drove to Monero Con right from yeah yeah yeah. I, yeah. I was I was traveling that time with my van and my dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we just can we, can we say where, can we say where you're from? Uh, the country you're from? You mind? I'm from Poland. I'm Polish. I'm Polish. Yeah, man, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, but uh, I live in the different places, like you know, in Ireland and before, and now I travel and try to do the stuff like with the furniture, like you know, yes. being kind of out of the system, like you know. Yeah. So so Mad Monkey is he builds custom? I don't know what else he's building, but he's building me a custom coffee table. Looks beautiful. On, I know. I think he sold on, up. You sold other ones, the, right? It's on the way. Oh, look at it's it. Those, those are the legs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are legs. I already oh, put wow. in the oh, oh, top layer, uh, top layer of the epoxy on it. 
to just make a glass surface. But already everything is assembled. Like legs are done. Wow, looking uh, good. I've got, a, I've got a fry. I've got a friend who making the legs for me. So everything is custom made from the stretch. Like and sometimes I tell you, it's the pain in the ass, but you know, worth the effort. Like you know. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, you, show, show the top again. Show the top of it again. No, go back. Go back to. Uh, go back to mine for a sec. I want to see it. Yeah. Wait, good, kind of nice, getting getting closer nice, to the logo. Let me see. It's a nice sherry wood. That's beautiful. And you car- uh, you like carved into the wood, right? And then you filled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I carved rock. it, and then I wrote it, and then I wrote it, and I put the epoxy inside. That's you know, amazing. so yeah. everything. That's but amazing. Wow. The, the thing is, the thing is that your logo, I I I use the GIMP in Linux, so I fit the Monero logo in the Monero Topia because it was hard for me to make original logo. You know, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that I will be doing the Monero talk, but which will which could be easier. But you want uh, Monero Topia, so yeah, nice challenge. You know, the worst <laughs> thing, <laughs> they, like, I'm surprised you were able to kind of like hey, make man, it you actually see, look I, like a logo. Uh, you killed me. You killed me with this challenge about the shelves that will be mental. But I already got some wood for that. You know, so I'm still thinking how to connect this. You know. Yeah, we but gave yeah. we gave him another challenge. We told him we want draws in the in the coffee table, which, is, as you can see, is going to be difficult to do. Uh, but Sunita, Sunita is demanding that <laughs> we're used to having drawers in our coffee table. <laughs> mm. Dude, so I show I'm, you a different style. Like you know, I I started doing the uh, tables. I've got uh, another one. One second, I will mm-hmm. take some some sexy liquid because everything is sanded, and I prepare for lacquering, like you know, to make a top quality surface. To protect the epoxy, like you know, but this is another uh, table. It's like custom made, nice custom made, custom made design. Privacy matters. Whoa, that is cool. And one on there. And one You have to, right, man. Both of them like quality. This is another. That's another uh, guy from the Monero uh, conference I met. He made the special order from me, so I'm making one for. What him. is that one? What's on, what's going on on that one? I, it's the logo of the breakcore uh, label from Belgium. Nice breakcore uh, music, man. You know. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I've got some others like you know, I still doing, and one more, one more. This original one, but this is like with the oil. Oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. Beautiful. So like, where are you where are you getting the wood? Obviously, I mean, uh, oh, I can see that shiny some, some wood I get like uh, you can get wood in Poland, quality wood, yeah, like you know. Yeah. So, but uh, some of the pieces I've got from Ireland, like, you know, when I was still living before and I get a half of the wood, uh, half of the tree from the guy. So I decide that I will do coffee tables, like, you know, and this is how my adventure starts, like, you know, during the pandemic shit, like, you know, mm-hmm. when everything happened, I just realized that I have to do something different, like, you know. Yeah. So I show you, and like. You're doing, food. you know, you're, you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk, right? We're always talking about how. To help Monero, the best way is to just start participating in the economy and providing things for Monero. You're doing it. You see, yeah, exactly. That, that's that's the whole point, like you know, because a lot of people don't understand because they are afraid of the crypto. Mm-hmm. But you just have to look at this as like a tool, like you know, as like a tool yeah. to create completely different environment for your business. Like you know, you don't have to like. You see, this is so small. We are so. It's that like or like tech tech doing the first steps and everything, but soon, so sooner or sooner than later, you know, we will have got the tools, and we yeah. need the tools. When we look around ourselves, like you can see, everything is packed, like you know, everything. 
It's so true, man. So we just we just need the simple tools. And you see, like you asked me before, how it looks Monero in Poland. The answer will be how many people were on the Monero Conferencion in Prague from Poland. It's like 200 kilometers. There were only three three guys, like you know, and no one else, you know. So it can show you what about the adoption, like you know, because mm-hmm. we are on the beginning everything. And people with, I think people have to feel the pain. When they feel the pain, they will find the solution. You know, this is yeah. how usually it works. So exactly, it's got to be out of a, a real need, and, unf- and unfortunately, we're arriving at that juncture where the the need is becoming more real because the, the need is yeah. when there but is you, going to be that need it, for Monero, it's going to be unfortunately scary times in in society. But we're pretty much already there. Yeah, but 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 same times. For example, I mean that like from two three years, like you know and. When I see all the progress, you know, I was so hyped about this. Oh, these possibilities. But these possibilities, they were not there. They were not there. There was no Monero market. There were nothing, you know. So when I see the development in the in the Dero community or in the Monero community, I you, you can see this, you know. And when the dark time comes, we will be ready, like, you know. We just need the solutions. We just need the free open source tools. And you need Monero for the exchange. That's it. Simple as that. So it's up to the people and adoption how the people will manage that. Because when we will be ready and you can exchange it, you can you are free to go. Like you know, simple. I, as told, that. I, I told you right that we're building a, a marketplace for Monero. Another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 XMR Bazaar. So when we launch, man, I, I want you on there. We we need you to have a, a profile on there with your. Oh, why not, man? Of course, Cable. of course. We yeah. like it's all about the connections, you know, and all about the things that we can use it, like you know. But I tell you something: privacy is a real fucking how to say, like it's a it's a pain in the ass sometimes, you know. It's a long, long progress, you know. It's it's like this to find the solutions. It was not so easy, but it will be easier for the people in the future, like for sure, like you know. Now you can open the wallet and you can run the node and you can operate in the system. You just need the marketplace. Right? Yep, yep. Uh, it. And it, it's getting easier and easier. And more and more people are realizing the true value in Monero is just using Monero and trying to live off Monero and to earn money KYC free <laughs> in Monero. There's a tremendous exactly. amount of value in that. Yeah, and it's funny because like using Cash, Monero every time I realize it's just... it's honestly easier than using other ways to pay uh mm-hmm. if you're doing a digital payment uh because you don't have to worry about any kyc accounts getting suspended i've had that happen countless times with paypal all that stuff it's just you send the money and there's like practically no fee and that's it it's just it's kind of revolutionary in a way it's crazy oh, no. <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> but it's simple, as that. it's simple as that at the moment like you know so Tux, how, I know I ask you this every time, but I, I just want to hear people that kind of hear. How's the escrow thing going? Uh, oh, the escrow tool, talk. yeah, it's uh, so it's it, more testing, right? Yeah, I did it. It it works. It does work. Uh, still got a you know, there's still some edges that are a little bit rough. Um, but you want to uh, quick, it, kind of quickly explain what we're talking about, like how that's going to function with a buyer and a seller? Yeah. So basically, it's a it's a multi sig escrow and. Uh, There'll be there'll be three parties in this escrow where there's a buyer, seller, and a mediator, uh, and 
uh, in the beginning, uh, basically a wallet will be generated client side. It'll be in the browser, but it'll be client side. Um, so like the server isn't generating this, the server doesn't have the keys. Um, and all this information will be stored on the server, but via uh, encryption, probably PGP. But um, a contract will be generated that all three of the parties will agree on, um, where the mediator would get a certain percentage of money. Um, and then, of course, the seller, uh, the buyer will have to pay the seller a certain amount of Monero. Uh, and the mediator will take a percent or a certain Monero amount of that. And it's set up in such a way to where uh, the money could go any way. It could end up going any way. Uh, and all it requires is two people to sign off. So if the buyer and the seller are like, okay, with the transaction, the buyer's like, yep, I'll pay the seller. And the seller also accepts. And that's it. The mediator, the mediator doesn't have to step in. But if the buyer's like, you know what? I can't sign off on this because what I got, you know, wasn't correct or it doesn't work or whatever, then the mediator can come along and help with that transaction. Um, but it's never at a point where the mediator can just take all the money. Right. The mediator is never holding the, the, the Monero. It's not, it's not going through X, XMR Bazaar's wallet and then we're holding it in escrow and then releasing it as needed. Rather, it's just requiring XMR's Bazaar signature as a, as a third party, as a mediator. Very cool, man. Thanks for explaining that. I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about it a lot more. Um, Mad Monkey, can can you stick around a little bit? We're gonna we're gonna do the news. Yeah, if you can stick sure, around, sure, we'll do the news. You, you can chime in. Yeah, that is amazing work. I did have a question though. How many uh, how many of your orders that you get? How much of that is uh, for crypto payment? Uh, could you repeat, please? Uh, how many people pay you with cryptocurrency? Hey, I accept only WoWo or Monero or Dero or uh, Pirate Chain. That's it. Like you know, people. <laughs> you see that that's like I like. I haven't got time for the request for the fiat because nobody's interested in that who use the fiat, like, you know, yeah. you have yeah. to just you yeah. know, get yeah. reached out with the people that, for example, my way, my way of connection is just Telegram or Twitter, you know, just showing my work. I've got a, I've got a, on Odyssey, my channel, Monkey3Design, uh, you can see the videos from my workshop in the past, like, you know, so it's all about the connection, like, you know, so I accept crypto and who owns the table? Just get it, like you know. That's it, like you know. Crypto only. Monero That's preferred. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. I That's it. Like, it. You know? Beautiful. All right, let's uh let's let's get the news going, Tux. And Okay guys, enjoy the time and see you oh, later. Stick around, stick around, stay stay here, stay here. Yeah, stay here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. And we'll we'll bring some other people up on well, I guess let's do viewers on viewers on stage. Let's bring people up first. And then we could run through the news, right, Tux? You want to do that? I think yeah, that's that work. Well. Let's do that's that. Work well, yeah. I'll run that segment. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. All right. right. If you are already in the backstage, type one in the private chat, and I will add you up. Just so I don't randomly add somebody who's not ready to come up and talk. Yeah. All right. We got Alaska Anon. And we got Shortwave Surfer. What's up, guys? Sweet. Body, let us know if, if we can bring you up. There um, we go. I had to unmute yes. my microphone. Digoon, if you want to come up. Sweet. Who, so who's this? Who's talking right now? Uh, Shortwave Surfer. Shortwave Surfer. What's going on, man? 
What's not up? Not a whole lot. I I haven't been on uh, I haven't been on your show in quite a while because you were doing spaces there for a long time, and I don't have a Twitter account, and so you started doing the backstages again, and I just haven't been on uh, haven't been available on Saturdays. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Anything on your mind, Monero related or otherwise? Well, I'm uh, I'm trying to help somebody I know set up a small business. Uh, she's a photographer, and she wants her own business and accept Monero. Okay, so that should be fun. What are you What are you advising her to do? What, what's kind of your advice to her? Well, what she's going to do is um, that she does like a consultation with the client, asking them like what they what they want uh, and things like that, and then has a as a price or whatever she comes back with a price so man, uh the monero payments would actually be done manually um instead of being done through like a, a payment gateway or something like that it would just be done manually oh okay super simple so you're just kind of showing her how to i guess how to use monero and then request it yeah she has her she has a cake wallet set up and so uh, on her website she already says that she accepts monero so when she tells you the price you can pay it in via paypal there or Monero, if you want to. And what what's the service that she provides? She's a photographer. Photographer. She does uh, like portrait photography, like uh, like graduation pictures for for kids or things like that. Um, you you have photography. To, all right, we we got to get her on XMR Bizarre Tux. We got to figure out a way to start uh, lining people up now too. You know, uh, so she she's a perfect example of somebody we'd love to have on there. They could have a profile. Uh, the way the way we're trying to create. The, the platform isn't just if you have something to sell, you go and post it, but rather you might, people are just, we want to encourage people to create profiles to just show off what their services that they're looking to offer or things that they might want to sell, right? And additionally, things that they might want to buy or services they might want to buy. So we're, we're trying to encourage people to just create these profiles so that we then get the Monero circular economy going that way rather than being I like... Go ahead. I, I put her link in the private chat too. So oh, if sweet. you guys want to take a look at it, you can. Yeah. Tell her tell her to email us. Yeah. Tell her to email us. We'll we'll start trying to put a list together of people so when we launch we could uh Yeah, it would be really awesome because yeah. like obviously we want it to be where like okay, if somebody wants to sell one thing, right? It's like if somebody wants to sell a bus, I mean there was a bus on the Monero market. <laughs> if someone wants to sell a bus, they can put a bus on there. But it would be really awesome if we had a ton of people, like Dick was saying, who provided services where it's like you could go to this one place and there's just a plethora of services that are being provided of things that you can just buy from people regularly. Exactly. Yeah, and, I've, and I've added her to Monerica already, the monerica.com. Oh, so sweet. She's on, that business, she's on that business directory under artwork. It's actually. Oh, fantastic. All right. So we'll, we'll find her there. I'm sure we'll start reaching out to those people. Um. All right. Anybody else want to throw some stuff out there before? I guess let's start the news because I know Tux, you're limited on time. Let's start. Let's start the news, and we can go through the stories. And if people want to jump in with a comment or two, please do. All right. Pull that up. Mm-hmm. And now for our weekly news segment. Right, no Tony, news, but not with Tony this time. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I gotta share my screen here. By the way, this this is not this is a Starbucks cup, but it's a you know not not a real one. This is don't worry, it's gratuitous. That's in this cup. Can you replace that Starbucks logo with a? It's like perfect perfect circle, you know, just one to one replacement. <laughs> right, I just love it. It's very it's it's well made. Been using this thing for years. 
I have gratuitous in my coffee pot right now. Oh, there we go. We got it. We got it. <laughs> That's how he did. he's got the Monerotopia tumbler, this is, which is also very well made, actually. I think uh, it's holding up well, right? Yep. There we go. Sorry, that took a second. All right, we got some. We got some news. Uh, we got we got a lot. Um, I don't even know if I have all of it open here. Um, well, we got the the first one. This is the OFAC thread, which of course Twitter's not letting me see all of it because I'm not signed in. Um, but this is a really long thread that a really good thread that our uh, resident financial advisor body wrote up uh, about the deal with Tornado Cash and the uh, the legal decisions behind that. If he wants to talk about that, please feel free to jump in and do that. Buddy, you want to you want to give a quick summary of? I thought I thought you did an amazing job. I actually yeah. went and read it myself. Read the the motion, uh, the findings on the, on the motion. Uh, after. Oh, nice. It was a it was a fun read, but yeah, give give us your your summary. Yeah, so last year what we saw was um, the Treasury's the Department of Foreign Assets Compliance, uh, which is part of the Treasury Department, um, put the Tornado Cash contracts um, and Tornado Cash kind of as an entity on the uh, the persona non grata. You're not allowed as a U.S. citizen. You're not allowed to interact with whether that's the contracts that were created or um, just in, specifically the contracts. But um, there was kind of this question over, well, okay, could you list a contract address as a person? One thing OFAC does is they've listed Bitcoin addresses for a very long time, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, Litecoin, you know, whatever. They've listed a lot of addresses for quite a long time that, um, you know, these addresses are, um, they are interests held by entities um, that uh, we are basically deemed to be terrorist or um, you know, evil people, whatever. So um, that's been going on for a long time. But then they, they said, okay, you're not allowed to actually interact with these, uh, these mixing addresses, these tornado cash addresses. So the question was, um, there's kind of like a, a few different points that were brought. Um, and it was actually the plaintiff in this case was the tornado cash. Um, I guess it was like the founders, the Dow, the devs, a few different people like centrally associated with tornado cash. Um, so they brought a case against OFAC saying, hey, you can't actually do that. Um, you can't, there's no demonstration that, um, you know, these aren't actually a person that are under your jurisdiction. These are just smart contracts and they're, um, they're decentralized code operating uh, on top of um, a decentralized system. And so, uh, you know, you can't actually, like, there's no legal justification. They're, they're not a person poor, uh, per your legal justification. They're outside of uh, the OFAC jurisdiction. And so they, that was brought last year, almost exactly a year ago. And, um, so I, I kind of had some strong opinions at the time about why I didn't think that was, I don't, th- I didn't think they were going to win because um, there's, there's just too many things that sort of compound one after the other uh, in, in terms of um, the centralization and the implementation of tornado cash was such that um, the government was going to have a pretty easy time. I thought defending it. Um, there's still an appeal that's going to be made to uh, like one of the, um, I don't know, a federal uh, appeals court or something like that. So like, th- it's not over yet. We could, th- this could hypothetically still get overturned, but effectively the government won on all of the arguments on all of the counts, the government um, basically prevailed and everything was dismissed by this judge. Um, so let's kind of quickly like um, go over uh, kind of how tornado cash was, was designed and, and why I think that um, uh, that it was so easy per the law. Like in this case, I had to put on my legal hat. So I, I kind of play this game where it's like, okay, I'm an anarchist and I don't believe in their authority. 
Um, nevertheless, I do want to understand how these people think and what are the likely outcomes. Um, there's a lot of good reasons to do that, uh, one of which obviously is just price and being a trader, but just in general to understand the world. So um, this was like kind of painful because I don't believe in money laundering and I don't believe that any like unless there's a victim, there's no crime. Um, but, uh, you know, basically everything about this case was unfortunate. Um, because I wanted Tornado Cash to prevail. That would that would be good for everybody. That would be good for Monero. That's good for really the entire ecosystem. Um, so anyways, okay, putting on the legal hat, like why exactly did the judge rule this way? And, um, and how can we understand um, what happened here? So effectively, the government was able to convince the judge that Tornado Cash, as a general association of people, which includes founders, there was a DAO, right? The Torn token um, was part of this DAO uh, and developers they all had like this common association and they had an interest in these smart contracts. Okay. These are smart contracts, which they did the development promotion deployment um, onto Ethereum as a virtual machine. We're going to use like broad terms, like Ethereum as a, as a publicly accessible virtual machine where you can deploy code, you can deploy contracts. Essentially there was, they said there was this association of people, which was fairly centralized um, that did the work to create these contracts, to promote them, to deploy them. And then very crucially, very important, they were making profit off of these contracts. Um, so there's kind of like a little bit of, um, in the weeds dev stuff, but the tornado contract, uh, sorry, the tornado cash contracts don't have, um, admin keys, but if you want to withdraw your funds from tornado cash, you need to pay the, um, you need to pay the ETH fees, right? So, there were these things called relayers that would um, help to pay the fees for you. Cause you don't, obviously if you're going to withdraw from tornado cash, you don't want to pay fees with your old address, right? Because <laughs> you're just doxing yourself, right? You might as well have not done it. So these relayers were, um, were helping facilitate the fee payments and the uh, like the tornado cash DAO and the torn token would get a cut of those fees. So that guy that was arrested, I don't remember his name, but the guy that was arrested in um, Amsterdam, I think it was Amsterdam or the Netherlands, um, he was arrested and held by the government. They said that he was making profit. It's because of these relayers. These relayers were would take a little bit of um, of these transactions, and that would pay profit directly to the people holding the Torn token. So um, effectively, they said there was an association of people here that created all these contracts, that promoted them, and they're also getting profit from that. So um, and it was something like eighty four percent of all um, all people that go through Tornado Cash were using. We're using the relayers. So from, and, and you have to like, you kind of kind of have to think like both logically and from the government standpoint here, there's not a really a big difference between developing code that you deploy on a server to help people mix coins, especially entities that are known conspicuously to be nefarious, right? These addresses that were going into Tornado Cash were conspicuously known. And this is kind of a problem with, with a transparent chain, a non-fungible chain, is that you can see exactly which of these addresses had done various hacks, North Korea, you know, and of course, North Korea financing of, you know, terrorism and nuclear weapons, et cetera. Um, you can see all of those inputs going into the Tornado contract address. So there's not, from the government standpoint, there's not really any difference between deploying a private server with code that you developed and promoted to mix coin for nefarious entities, conspicuously known nefarious entities. There's not a difference between that and doing the same thing, but deploying the code on a publicly available virtual machine. Now that language wasn't explicitly inside the ruling, but effectively like you can, you can pretty much take that from um, like, you can draw that out from what they were saying. So um, the, the critical thing in my mind here, this, this is not, 
explicitly an attack on privacy. Yes, privacy is reduced. Yes, we have anonymity privacy problems and reduction here as a result of this ruling, but that wasn't, those were not, that was not the primary factor in this case. The primary factor was a central association of people that deployed code to help nefarious entities mix coin and they derived a profit from it. Um, effectively, what this tells us is that the implementation itself was weak. If they had done maybe a different implementation, maybe a different result would have happened. Um, the most unfortunate thing from the judge's point or for the, from the standpoint of like the case and the judge to me was that they the judge kind of just like out of out of hand dismissed what I thought was the strongest argument. And that is that there were U.S. citizens trapped inside of Tornado Cash and they're not allowed to access their funds anymore. They're like, by law, they would become criminals if they try to access those funds. But they were never given any kind of due process ahead of time or any ability to exit that contract because through, you know, through no fault of their own, they're just like regular people. Oh, cool. I can get some privacy. I want to make a political donation. I'm going to go through Tornado Cash. Like, how can they know? So, um, but what the judge said is that, um, they didn't. Uh, so the lawyers for Tornado Cash didn't uh, um, didn't motion for summary judgment on that particular argument, and they said that um, uh, they said that um, the judge said that they didn't sufficiently pursue the claim, and so it was considered abandoned. The judge considered it abandoned, and then just tossed it out. And to me, like that was kind of shady on the judge's part because that Claudia, was the strongest I, I, argument. I, I've, I've been following you all along. Great job, by the way. What, so wait, what are you saying? Was the 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 last part what what which which claim did they did they not follow through on um the the claim that um u.s citizens got trapped inside of the tornado cash contract and they mm. weren't given any due process um to be oh, able to okay. extricate their funds uh and so it's like that's that's basically it's basically unfair like they they have a right to be informed of the government's opinion and to have some kind of process for being able to withdraw their funds because they're just basically innocent bystanders. Right. But the judge said that the, the tornado cash lawyers abandoned that argument. Um, they okay. said, well, you didn't motion for summary judgment and you didn't respond sufficiently to the arguments made by the government. So uh, I'm going to consider your argument abandoned. Um, and they, uh, they Bullshit. granted the government's motion to, the, to the, drop the case. For me, the most damning part, and I think you pretty much said it, is is how they defined an entity, right? And what this guy's saying, ICE, right? OFAC only needs to prove one body of individuals and two for a common purpose. And it, it the way the the case law and that they referenced just painted a very broad stroke of what an entity is considered, right? And so in yeah. this case, it was it very clearly fell into the what they considered the law to be, uh, and then you start to think, all right, how does that now apply to something like Zcash, right, or something like Monero, or something like Bitcoin? Um, and I think you even made this comment in your tweet, right? Like Zcash, they have they have a dev fund, they have various official associations and corporations that are associated with the project right they have what is it z corp or what do, what do they call there i don't even know what they call uh, it. the electric coin company yeah, and then the zcash foundation right the electric coin company and the zcash foundation which get paid from the dev fund um yep. i don't see how this is not how that's not analogous or how that doesn't clearly fall into this. I mean, it's kind of, I'm not, and I'm not, you know, people are, I'm not attacking Z. I like Zcash for, for the, what they're offering in terms of tech and the developments they're making. And, but it's oh, the, always the biggest issue has been that the way they've structured themselves 
And they've done this strategically because they think they thought there were advantages to doing it this way. They were that they were trying to benefit from is that they kind of moved away from being truly open source, right? And they they made design decisions that they thought uh, and and structural decisions in terms of how the entities are structured that they thought would benefit themselves for purposes of of dealing with regulators and things like that. But I think they kind of backed themselves in a corner into proving that they're more akin to something like a, a tornado cash than something like a, a Bitcoin or a Monero. I'm curious what, what you think about that. No, I think that's spot on. Um, I think that right now Zcash doesn't have any major problems because I no one's using them. <laughs> the dark nets don't exactly. use them. Exactly. That, that's North the one Korea thing I got going them. for them. Is nobody is using them for money laundering. <laughs> it's just not getting used. Yeah, so- the government doesn't care, but I mean, let's like let's do a, like a very close direct comparison here. Let's suppose that North Korea does start using Zcash. Okay, well, Zcash is a um, is a transparent chain, and you have to go from the non shielded addresses into the shielded. Right. Okay, so let's suppose that you have North Korea or some nefarious entity going from the non shielded into the shielded. Okay, well, that's a, is that a mixing pool now? Um, you can transparently see those inputs moving into the shielded. You know they're nefarious. You saw they got used by a hack. Um, and then you have the Zcash Foundation, or I think it's actually the Electric Coin Company. I, I, I'm not totally clear on the difference between them, but let, let's just consider them one entity for the meantime, right? They're they're funding the development. They're gaining a profit from ev- for, from code execution, from the operation of the software. They are getting direct profits. Every new block, they are getting a 20% cut of that block. Right. So they're directly profiting from that much like Tornado Cash is. They've got the transparent inputs. They've got what can be considered now a mixing pool um, where you can see you know, the people going into there. Um, given the logic that the government just released on this case, if people ever actually used Zcash for any nefarious purposes or anything that the government didn't like, yeah, they could definitely be weak in that regard. I don't think that Monero shares anything uh, of similarity there. The only thing that Monero shares is the privacy anonymity aspect. When you have a ring size, like you take um, 15 people plus your real transaction, you never actually mix your funds with those people. Your funds are always segregated. They're just an obfuscation mechanism for your real inputs. Um, Furthermore, none of those outputs that you're grabbing for your ring, none of those are conspicuously known because all of them continually get... um, they continually get used for other people's rings and you have plausible deniability. So there is no transparent, conspicuously known um, no outputs mixing. from Monero. There's no mixing taking place in Monero. And, you, and you're not opting in to mix. It's a default of the way that the protocol works. Whereas in Zcash, you're, you're, you're opting in to using the mixing portion of their tool. Yep. And then you, I, like, even the Monero devs, you couldn't say that they're taking profit from it because CPU mining is so decentralized that it's like, well, the people developing Monero are not getting profits by the code execution. I'd point out not only is like the the reading of this case almost exactly what Arctic Mine and some other people, well, mostly just him, were warning about for like over two years now. When it comes to the legal ramifications of how all of these coins were trying to develop themselves, and he's—I mean, he, I think he pretty much warned verbatim about everything that this judge actually ruled. But then I, I also think it's absolutely hilarious that a government entity investigates claims against another government entity and finds that the government entity is innocent of any kind of crimes against the slave class and. <laughs> um, and then when when they bring up the argument, well, there are people who weren't committing crimes who are now, you know, get, there's all kinds of blowback from all kinds of 
there for all kinds of innocent people. The judge is just like, well, we, we don't really care because they didn't do all of the necessary steps that the government arbitrarily placed in the way of them getting their money back. Yeah, I thought that was really shady. Um, that was the strongest argument. I also thought it was, it raises an eyebrow for me that the Tornado Cash developers didn't pursue that argument as the strongest argument because it was their strongest argument. Well, I don't think, I think they were more interested in defending themselves, honestly, and who can blame them, right? It's, you know, when you're, when you're just being attacked in every direction in your own mind anyway, and you don't kind of use the shield of the individual consumer that it makes it hard to make that same case. They also made obviously the, the, the free speech argument, right. Um, and they were shot down there basically on the finding that, you know, this, uh, tornado cash isn't, isn't a public forum. So it's not, it doesn't really apply to this, um, this concept of free speech. They're like, yeah, sure. You can freely go use the tornado cash code if you want to look at it and run it on your computer but we're just saying you can't transact with it because when you're transacting with it you're participating in this mixing service and you're enriching these these people that run it but we're not saying you can't you can't publish the code you can't look at the code we're just saying you can't use it because anytime you're using it you're by default essentially mixing and, and breaking breaking the law um and that it doesn't it doesn't meet the standard of you know a free speech platform because they they don't see it as being a public square per se. Yeah, that privacy, was um, there was a lot me, to not for the. Go ahead. Say again. Oh, I was just going to say privacy for me, but not privacy for thee. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely kind of a modus operandi of the government. Um, so unpacking the free speech argument um, or the free speech angle, the, the judge I think made a correct distinction between the publishing of code and the execution of code. Um, However, you could probably create a very interesting legal argument um, that says in the case of Ethereum or any kind of publicly distributed virtual machine, whatever, um, that the publishing of code on that platform is the execution of code and they're they're almost indistinguishable. Um, I would have loved to some if they had tried to make that argument, um, maybe they just didn't have the funds, you know. Like we saw XRP, for example, just like did everything for years to like, they just threw everything that they could because they had billions of dollars. Maybe Tornado Cash didn't. I thought it was very shady of the judge to be like, well, the Tornado tornado Cash contracts are not in the public square. It's like Ethereum is a publicly verifiable virtual machine and a publicly accessible virtual machine. Like you can't say that the Ethereum platform is not in the public and thus the contracts, the Tornado Cash contracts which live on Ethereum. It's very difficult to say that those aren't public. Okay, maybe the relayers aren't quite as public. Uh, I mean, they're still publicly accessible. So the judge actually just bluntly asserted that uh, the tornado cash contracts are not in the public square, and then moved on. Um, right. And yeah, like, I mean, there's arguments to be made as to why it is in the public square for sure. But those... yeah. But I mean, there's still like the question of okay, let's take Ethereum as a server. Let's just call Ethereum a server. It's a publicly available server. Um, and you again, putting our government legal hat on here. You've deployed code and contracts which you're gaining a profit from, which have a fairly centralized organization that you use to promote, develop them, right? Like you could still kind of say that there's an association of people, an entity there um, that like that you could say, hey, you're not allowed to execute this code as an American citizen because, um, you know, it's very transparently helping nefarious entities. Something like 20% of all the funds, I think, that have moved through Tornado Cash are from like North Korea or hacks or something like that. So because you, you, you could you could make all those arguments and per the scribbles, uh, the holy scribbles as uh, duly appointed legislatively, um, like you could make that argument. But um, 
it's it's still like not, none of those interesting arguments that really probably should have been brought to light. I didn't see any of that fleshed out in the summary judgment. Maybe the tornado cash lawyers made those in other documents I didn't read, but it was disappointing not to see at least the attempt to make those arguments in court. All right, man. Fantastic analysis. But body is so much more than the price report, as as everybody already knows. Um, this is the, uh, the body after hours segment. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, amazing. Um, let, let's keep moving through the news, here. though. Let's keep moving through the news. Uh, I got this. Do you want to play this video? I'll share well. my screen so I can do the tab so I'll actually share the audio. Sure, sure. Like affording life right now. It's to a point where people can't live. This amounted to a hundred dollars. Like this isn't even this isn't even barely anything to feed me for a couple days. You're not budgeting your money. Oh, you're not doing this. Oh, you're buying coffee, and it's like, no, I'm literally not doing any of those things. I live paycheck to paycheck every week because I'm trying to pay every bill that the world is throwing at me right now. And the government's response to that is oh hey everybody aliens are real we don't give a fuck about aliens we're trying to afford a roof over our heads i refuse to continue living my entire life like this i'm not going to struggle my entire life i'm just really tired of like not being able to do the things that i want prices on everything are up from food gas rent instead of 60 bucks to fill up your gas tank it's 140 instead of 99 cents for eggs it's fucking three dollars rent's going from three grand to five grand all that shit adds up and wages aren't going up fast enough wages have gone nowhere so what did most of us have to do myself included with the extra four hundred dollars a month i was spending on gas i had to use my credit cards even with three jobs now i'm not even going to make a dent on those credit card bills I seriously want to know what the end game is because soon we're not going to have any money for anything so why the fuck are we working so hard to make money for other fucking people to use and steal our income just for us to never see it. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't. I just don't understand. At one point, I thought I had some sort of a purpose. I'm working just to basically pay bills, just to survive. Why can't we all collectively come together and agree that we just don't want to do this anymore? That's what we need, man. Everybody to opt out. That's basically what she's calling for at the end. Um, I think it's. You know, it's it's obviously sad to see. It's real. This is the, the fiat cancer is real. Uh, we're, we're all experiencing it. But what's what's the silver lining is uh, people are waking up, man, because it's becoming so real for some for so many people. And I think the next realization is realizing all we need to do is 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 opt out and no longer participate in the fiat scam. And yeah, this is coming off of Biden's uh, announcement. I guess you want to play this. Sure. <laughs> the American people won, and special interests lost. Folks, we're going to lower prescription drug costs, lower health insurance costs, lower energy costs for millions of families. I want to take the most aggressive action ever, ever, ever to confront the climate crisis and increase our energy security. We're going to build a future, the future, here in the United States of America with American workers, with American companies, with American-made products. And after years of some of the biggest corporations in the United States paying zero in federal income tax, 
they'll now have to begin to literally pay their fair share. The soul of America is vibrant, the future of America is bright, and the promise of America is real. So uh, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on, on that. I mean, who, who's right here, Biden or the the catchy video? That's um, about the most propaganda I've ever heard. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember me pointing out how language itself is the prison right now, but you have all of these people talking about the cost of goods, right? And it's always like this this dollar mentality. And so the oppression is I make X dollars for actual work, even though the same amount of work produces the same amount of stuff. However, my cut of the fruit of the work is lower. And I don't know if Tux wants to pull up, uh, I think it's, hold on, it's uh, WTF happened in 1971.com. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, WTF happened in 1971.com. But it, you can see like at, at, at the exact moment of 1971, how the, uh, the, the, the disparity. Oh, I've seen that, the, yes. Yeah, you should pull that up real quick. Hold on. Uh, but anyway, the, the the actual goods production versus like the the real wages earned immediately begin to separate when real stuff uh, or when real stuff backing the dollar, it's just becomes full blown fiat. But then you get um, the language that Biden is using, right, where it's like we're doing all of these things to make uh, to make America better. And there's this weird association between taxing corporations, right? Like as though, oh, the fact that they paid zero in taxes is a bad thing. And it's like, well, what if everybody just pays zero in taxes? Let's make it even that way. It, it was really already, it was really already fiat for 60 years. They just never announced it until 1971 but yeah the uh, other governments could trade yeah. dollars for gold yeah. and that was the linkage right until france yeah. finally kind of called everybody out on it there it is so you look at the productivity keep going up and up and up but then you look at the compensation rates the problem with this chart is it's using government inflation numbers for the value of the dollar so basically that red line would actually go way down if you were using like real inflation stats, because they've adjusted inflation stats over and over again to try to make it look like inflation isn't so bad. Um, but it's just hilarious to me in a sad way that all of these people are saying, you know, I make this much, but prices are going up. Prices are going up. I can't afford to live anymore. And the productivity just kept going up and up and up. <laughs> it's it's just weird to me that like it's the language itself that is the prison from the thing that the people are claiming that they want, which is we just need to rise up and stop taking it anymore. But we're going to use their language and we're going to use their money and we're going to use their social media platforms and we're going to use their it's like it, everything already exists to solve these problems. But it it really does boil down to. Then you go to Biden, who's now on the next wave of the language, right? We're going to address the climate crisis. And it's some fake ass video of a guy holding an iPad up on a roof with some solar panels. It's like, <laughs> no, yeah, all the there's actually sun that, like... that iPad wouldn't even be working because it would be so freaking hot. <laughs> like it's, it, it's just hilarious how like the, the propaganda machine is now feeding this idea of, 
well, the next thing we're going to do to make things better is tax corporations and have some guy with an iPad on a roof. And look, here's a baby with a pacifier. Aren't we all happy now? Like, it's like just so phony. It's weird. Dude, all the comments under that video are just completely like, I don't see a single positive comment. So I'm curious how many of the likes are actually like legit. You know, it's like everyone's just completely flaming uh, this uh, pe- meat pe- puppet. People are, people are waking up, but they're still, you know, the sheep are, are out there. Most of them aren't even on Twitter, right? Most of the sheep are just watching mainstream news getting their their mainstream media what do you guys i mean do you guys think we we reach a tipping point at some point where like the masses really wake up to the fiat scam and you know they revolt do you think that that ever happens when it gets go ahead go ahead when it gets bad enough that the average like i'm serious like the average person the middle class like the lower middle class can't afford to to pay for rent or mortgage or whatever, then I think it will happen because then the middle class will be in the same house. The poor, the poor class are in right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to need to see that before the Fiat Ponzi will be exposed. feels like it's getting close. I mean, they, they always... what has made people successful though, like regardless of your personal positions on things, if you think about, okay, where have massive uh, change in the public consciousness taken place? actually one of the biggest ones ever to where uh, a political issue just does a complete 180 is uh, with the improvement in uh, ultrasound um, like pro-lifers started taking ultrasounds of babies where you could actually see the babies at the different points in gestation. Right. Mm. And then instead of calling it pro-life, they would start to say, murdering a child in the womb and then show the picture of the child right mm-hmm. and and the thing is is if you can change the way that people talk about these things in a similar fashion as what they came up where you have that one like bulletproof picture or that really popular meme that's flowing through everybody's consciousness the second they see it and you have to rebrand it that's why i love taxation is theft Although it's still a little too cerebral, right? Or, um, it, it, you know, back in the day, that famous, uh, that famous poem about the highwayman, right? Comparing the government to a highway robber and, and drawing the exact parallel between somebody forcing you to give your money at gunpoint. Well, the thing is, is um, if, you, if you can recast things like the Federal Reserve or the IRS as Anytime you want to make a transaction, the government gets their cut. And then you sell the idea of Monero as cutting the government out of their cut. Anytime the government tries to challenge Monero the same way that they did with Tornado Cash or whatever, you can always point to that meme. Oh, the government's demanding their cut again. And no matter what argument they try to make in the legalese jargon, everybody's just going to see it as, oh, this is the government coming to demand their cut from the free economy. And, and that's how you kill the, uh, that's how you kill in the consciousness, the idea that the government is like this crusader coming to help the poor people or whatever. Oh, poor people were trying to buy eggs on XMR Bazaar and now the government wants their cut, right? It's, it, but it works. 
Yeah, I mean, the problem is the government's propaganda is going to be Monero's used for financing terrorism, and you know, there's going to be some some event or whatever it is, and people will be much more, uh, you know, afraid of that than the fact that the government is is stealing from them every day. There was a pretty uh, good shift. There was a really good shift this week with that, what this Anthony Oliver song. You can see. People are starting to think that was that was amazing. I, I think that shift a lot of people. We, we we should have played that as well. We can do that. Um, Tux, you want to keep moving with the news because I know you're you're short on time. Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna play this video. Was in town and they wanted to meet with me that I know well, and they are a high level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them. <laughs> this guy and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear a mask again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. His use, and then, His use of silence is, is great. Actually very we were told, <laughs> I gotta, we I gotta expect learn that. by December a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021. And I was given many more details. I wrote down notes on it. Then, all right, we can stop it left. there. We can stop it there. Um, what, what do you guys? What do you guys think? I mean, uh, you, you think we could, could could see that world again? Basically, he's saying the reason would be for you know steering elections again, um, shut shut down, shut everybody uh, down like like we did in twenty twenty. COVID, it was you know. And then when the election rolls around, he's saying when the election rolls around, not this November, but for the presidential, you know, all the mail will be back to mail in ballots and they'll be able to manipulate the election, whatever. whatever. But do, do you guys think um, I said from the beginning, I, I, I said from the beginning that COVID was just the test run. <laughs> like they got a bigger, you know, they're going to have like COVID plus Ebola you know, plus diarrhea or some <laughs> other shit coming out next time. I don't know. Uh, it ties, it it ties it, right back into the thing about like, but the but the problem is, is they're going to brand us terrorists, right? Or if you refuse to use the mask mandate, you're like a biological terrorist, right? Oh and that's God. where like the, the memes come back, man. Like you got to spread the memes of some ladies selling eggs for XMR, terrorist. And then the meme of like somebody giving a person on the side of a road a free ride for some XMR, terrorist right it's the same with like somebody not wearing a mask outside and then like you know one of those karens just pointing her finger with the mask on and like spit still coming out of the mask like terrorist you just have to meme their authority into irrelevancy it'll come down to the county level like sheriffs Sheriffs have the option to say we are not going to enforce this. This this happened in uh, Mojave County in Arizona. The sheriff of the, of Mojave County, because I I was there working in uh, Lake Havasu in the beginning of 
of COVID. And he just flat out stated to all the businesses in Mojave County, we will not be enforcing this and you can do whatever you want. And the Havasu was wide open during, I mean, it's all the people from California were coming to Havasu and party and they looked like escaped criminals just having a great time because they were so locked down in California and Mojave County was wide open. So, you know, it, it'll come down to that where sheriffs are the ones that get to decide who's free and who's not. It's not I mean, just sheriffs, but Danny's right. If anybody has the time to read, it's a very small book called Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. It's an excellent book. Um, there are people who have done breakdowns of it, too. But the thing is, is uh, there, you, there's all of these common law arguments that go all the way back to pre-Magna Carta days where it's the duty of anybody in a position of authority to resist the tyranny of the upper levels, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, and their power becomes supreme over the higher authority when the higher authority is violating the natural law or the common law. Um, sheriffs are an excellent example, but here's the thing. Alaska doesn't even have sheriffs, and there was no magisterial resistance of any kind. We were all just like, ah. No, no, no. Why wouldn't they be doing this again? Like it's the perfect time and, you know, elections and like, it just makes sense that they would do it again. Like, you know, how, how they're able to, but I think it's going to be extra spicy this time because, um, you know, a lot of people complied with Ling's asks and like mandates and all that. But like a lot of people didn't really know what was going on, but now more people are aware of what actually is going on. So I think there's going to be a lot more, uh, non-compliance this time right. around. If they try or, to or like Danny's saying, though, they're going to have to amp it up. You know, it, they, they yeah, can't, yeah. it can't be the same show. It's going to have to be a more yep. extreme version. Yep. It's the only way they're going to corral enough people. It's oh, you don't, you don't have to comply, but if you don't comply this time, we're going to shut down your bank account a la Canadian truckers. Exactly. There yep. you go. I, that seems that, <laughs> hey, that gets rid of some problems for me. I can be like, sorry, I don't have a bank. You're just going to have to use Monero. I think a likely vector here is um, so right now we've got all the inflation. We've got people that are having a hard time making payments. We saw where um, they tried to forgive student, all the uh, student debt. Um, I think that that's going to be a primary vector here. They're going to try and use a little bit of carrot where it's like, okay, well, you've got debts, you've got problems. Um, you know, we can make a lot of that go away. Uh, you just have to acquiesce to some of these things that we're demanding. Um, cause y'all are right. Like it's going to be very hard for them to come up with a global warming or an alien invasion, or even, um, even a false flag cyber attack is going to be hard for them to convince those of us who are now convinced that these guys are not just incompetent, but nefarious. It's going to be hard to, to use some kind of crisis against the population without significant resistance. So I think they're going to have to try and use a little bit of this carrot. They might try and do some kind of debt forgiveness. This probably rolls into CBDC as well. I was going to say, yeah, okay, yeah. I have the CBDC, There's, of course. Yeah. COVID stimmy this time. It's got to be, got accepted by FedNow or some, you know, yeah. future CBDC or whatever. And it's going to be like a minuscule amount, right? Exactly. And, you know, but it's still like, if you want it, right? If you want it, you got to set up that, that FedNow account, you know? <laughs> and it'll be an app with like rude access to your, your brain brain chip <laughs> or maybe they just take over world coin the u.s set government up your world coin. set up your fed now set up your fed now on an on a virtual machine running uh running the app or whatever and then get your cbdc and then immediately take your cbdc and convert it to monero because you don't want it because you know it's it's crap yeah that's what that's what we're gonna need we're gonna need a good way of uh atomically swapping from cbdc to, to monero awesome. 
I'll send my I'll send my CBDC to Coinbase and let them have it. I'll get a FedNow account and then sell it on uh, Monerica or the uh, or the upcoming uh, store that you guys are making. Yeah, burner burner FedNow accounts. Like you just mail a fingerprint to somebody. (laughs) We're gonna win, guys. We're gonna win, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be a hell of a battle. Tux, we got anything else? Any other news? I have a few more to share, but my browser is doing this thing again where I can't click on any other tab, which is you want amazing. you want to just mention them? Anything anything big? I think there's some just some yeah, general so, narrow announcements, right? Yeah, uh Cicada Wallet, they had got their account suspended, uh like for seemingly no reason a couple weeks ago. They have a new account. It's Cicada underscore wallet on X or Twitter. Um and cake wall oh wait nope there we go i can use a scroll wheel hold on let me get this. this is so scuffed uh is this gonna work i'd like to point out that cicada wallet is in good company with like the graphene os project and it's in good company with all of these other people who they're just getting delisted and nobody's even like explaining why nobody even cares they're just like up oh, too much freedom delisted and they're See, just making people- the case for us See if these people get delisted on, if if these people keep getting delisted on X and uh, all this stuff, why aren't they going to like Mastodon and then on their website, on their website they promote that hey we don't use this thing we use Mastodon. Well, like they have um I can't Twitter like doesn't let me see anything if not logged in, um but they had another tweet where they show uh, their Noster and their Mastodon because I asked them I was like hey you got these and yeah they do yeah they should probably promote that more since I just got banned on this same platform I agree, um but like if you're a business since like you know you kind of gotta like use some of these platforms to just make people known that you exist it's kind of like a hard a hard thing um cake wallets um. You can sell some things using MoonPay to a bank account and debit card. That's interesting. I know a lot of people here probably don't care about doing that. Um, and I don't think MoonPay has a ton of KYC. Um, I'm not 100% sure, though. I haven't tried it. And um, CakePay is coming back. Uh, if you were somebody that used CakePay Web before, you were already on the wait list, and you might already have an invite. Uh, they have a new... Uh, I don't know who it is, but they have a new card issuer that the new vendor they're working with. Um, but there's a there's a decent amount of options on the site. I checked it out myself. You got your your Mastercard debit cards. Um, you got your Apple cards. You got Best Buy. You can't choose the exact amount like you can before. So like the the amount is pre chosen, unfortunately. So like the the Mastercard debit card that's like fifty bucks. Um, but uh, they're trying to get trying to get it back, so uh, you know that's cool. But the other cake pay functionality is working, where you can just you know buy a, a gift card on the spot for a given value. Yeah, cake pay mobile is not working yet. No, just not mobile, but uh, just web. on the web. Okay. Yep. That's nice to see that they figured that out. And I think yeah, cake pay web cake pay web is not allowing you to buy like a card for fifteen dollars and twenty cents anymore. You can choose like twenty or fifty or whatever, but. But how about like for like the other gift card, like uh, no, you know, yeah, even the other Cold ones, Stone, um, Cold yeah, the other ones are Stone specific Cooper. amounts that are. Oh, no, really? they're all specific, they're uh, all specific uh, amounts. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's just I guess the limitations are dealing with with the uh, the new vendor. Um, but uh, we've got this last link here. Uh, Mastercard Cipher Trace Expert Witness plays central role in twenty nine million. Disgorgement case. I I think you said this one, Doug. Do you know what this is about? I didn't. Look yeah, at I looked at it a while ago. Ugh. It's uh, I don't know. I have to read it. Can you can you try to? I can't even see it from the way you have it up right now. 
Just in the summer of 2023, the 13th District Texas Court of Appeals made its final ruling on a case, Algren III versus Algren Jr., wherein Pamela Clegg, an expert witness from CypherTrace, a MasterCard company, so CypherTrace is, uh, they're like, um, like yes. chain analysis, right? Uh, said another precedent demonstrating the role of blockchain analytics in the North American legal system by assisting the court in tracing the flow of funds and gains made by their misappropriation. Miss Clegg and her team played a pivotal role in the multi generational financial dispute in bringing restitution to the affected parties. Yeah, it was just, uh, I'd have to look at the article to see what was the most compelling about it, but uh, it was an example of them you know, doing Bitcoin tracing and how it's being used in a court of law. Um, so, but and I you know, imagine the, it would be similar to the chain analysis issue where it's like kind of this black magic thing that they're using. Right. But it, it, it is yeah. currently being, being used, you know, and they're set, setting precedent with it. So it's, it's a step in the, in a positive direction for them, for these crypto tracing companies and for that whole ecosystem of using blockchain analysis for purposes of proving things in a court of law. Um, these are another reason why I'd point out, like you can break the chains with physical assets too. So for example, uh, and I mean, not that it's a real concern with Monero, nor will it ever, be, but, uh, there are a lot of situations where a person can take payment in Monero and then they can, instead of spending Monero in like a logical chain, they can just switch to something like, um, gold backs. And then those people can sell gold backs for Monero to a much larger pool of, you know, Monero holders. Um, but even transparent ledgers could very easily be bring, be breaking these chains by just using physical assets with large asset pools. So it's so dubious to me that this is even possible. <laughs> it's like I, I remain convinced that what is claimed to be possible and what is actually possible it's really just insiders pretending that they have the ability to do something that is pretty much useless and it, it i mean it doesn't make logical sense that you could if you were a criminal you would just wash and wash and wash some uh some kind of crypto but you wouldn't like mix with physical untraceable asset it's to me it just seems like it's total nonsense uh yeah that, that's what arctic mine is always saying right he keeps driving that home and how you know blockchain analysis is is bullshit and it really shouldn't be being used in a court of law for all those reasons you're talking about but the fact is it is and it seems to be gaining momentum in that direction so it's going to be around for quite some time and i think Courts and governments certainly have an incentive to use this as a tool, even if it's a fraudulently used one. And I think they'll continue to use it for quite some time. About a year, almost two years ago, Ladar Levison was making the argument for encryption and privacy to be protected by the Second Amendment, not just the First Amendment. So mm -hmm. I don't know where, the, where those articles are, but it, it was a pretty interesting argument. I think that context matters a lot in terms of how they can use this um, chain analysis information in court. So for example, um, there's a difference between reasonable suspicion versus um, like incontrovertible proof or even preponderance of the evidence. So for example, if you have a chain analysis company that law enforcement used to generate a warrant to go um, to go look somewhere and say, hey, we think there's going to, there's information here, or these people specifically uh, might be involved with some money laundering or some criminal activity, whatever. 
Uh, maybe it's even a real crime, though, right? Like there, there could be a re real crimes being committed in association with, with cryptocurrency, not just, you know, fake crimes. So to use chain analysis to say, hey, we had a reasonable suspicion to, to issue a warrant and go dig deeper, that could be like that could very easily be held up in a court of law, I think. And I think that's even very much along the lines of how chain analysis probably operates because they're they're using statistical likelihood in a lot of cases. Like, okay, there's a 90% chance that this transaction came from this wallet cluster, and we know that this wallet cluster is associated with this specific person. Now, on the other hand, if you're going to try and use chain analysis in a murder case and say, well, from chain analysis, that's our smoking gun, um, and there's a 60% chance that chain analysis was correct. Mm. That's that's probably not going to hold up because you need in that kind of case, you need um, like beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, and then there's everything in between. If you're talking about like civil cases, financial cases there, you go by preponderance of the evidence. So there's kind of all this gray area. And I don't think it's like this black and white, like, yes, chain analysis is admissible. And no, it's not. I think context is very important. Here. Another thing to note is, you know, they, they, they trace the funds. It was basically a, a son trying to hide the funds from his father. The father had given him money to basically invest and take care of. And I think he put it in Bitcoin and he made a bunch of money and then he tried to to hide it and his father wanted it back. And uh, they, what's interesting is they know too that they they traced it to the point where it, they saw that he was trying to wash it through coin joints. Um, and that was kind of one of the arguments they made. Paco and his legal team sought to assert that there was insufficient evidence that he held any Bitcoin due to those assets having been washed in a mixer and therefore untraceable after February 2018. So he was like saying, like, you know, how can you prove that it was, it was I even had these Bitcoin anymore? Uh, but the co court, however, the court rejected this argument, stating, again, appellants cite no legal authority for the proposition that a defendant may render evidence insufficient by making disputed assets untraceable. And we have found none. Were we to accept the appellate's position, we would be providing a perverse incentive for trustees to avoid liability for the fiduciary breaches by making trust assets untraceable. So they were the, the court, you know, was noticed that the this person was trying to mix their funds and uh you know cipher cipher trace was was key in in highlighting that. We should know too, CypherTrace is the one, is the blockchain analysis company that has claimed to be able to have some tools that can give insight into Monero transactions. Claims. Yes, that have <laughs> never really been proven. Um, also landed on the moon, everybody, trust me. <laughs> Tux, we got anything else? I know, I know you're really uh, short from time here. You got to go, right? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I think that was it for all the news this week. Oh, I think the last thing was the Argent, the guy in Argentina that oh, looks yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. Actually, he I do might actually have a chance at winning. Spicy. Let me see. We could, we could leave it on that. You could play that. I think that's inspiring and important, historic, and a Let big step in the again. right direction. Uh, yeah. Here we go. All right. A ver, de socialismo. Y lo que hay que lograr es sacar el socialismo de la cabeza de la gente, ¿sí? Y los principales promotores de estas ideas son los políticos. Te propongo que veas lo que fueron las declaraciones de Graciela Camaño. Se supone que uno de los mejores dirigentes de Argentina. ¿Sabes contra quién van? Contra los liberales. Porque los liberales somos los únicos que les 
digamos, le, le enrostramos a los políticos que ellos no son la solución, que ellos son el problema. Los, los políticos son una suerte de sociópatas que quieren hacernos creer que nosotros somos inválidos mentales, inválidos en todo sentido, porque no podemos vivir si no fuera por ellos. En realidad, los que no pueden vivir si nosotros son ellos. Es decir, si el país se separara entre los que producimos de un lado y del otro lado, queda la mierda de los políticos, los sindicalistas, todo este conjunto de parásitos se hunden, se mueren. Separemos la Argentina, en la Argentina del Norte y Argentina del Sur, ¿sabes qué? Los que estamos dispuestos a laburar nos vamos a la parte más pobre del país, le dejamos vaca muerta todo. Aun cuando se quedaran con todo, se van a hundir estas ratas porque no sirven para nada. En cambio, los que laburamos y sabemos ganarnos la vida, ¿sabes qué? Nos va a ir bien. Nosotros somos gente de bien, gente que labura y no vivimos abogando por la envidia, el odio, el resentimiento, el robo. Sí, el trato desigual frente a la ley, que es esa inmundicia de la justicia social, que es lo más injusto que existe, porque implica robarle a una persona el fruto de su trabajo para dárselo a quien a mí se me da la gana. Pero ¿de dónde salieron esta manga de sátrapa? ¿Sabes por qué? Porque además en todo ese proceso, no solo que destruyeron la economía, empobrecieron a la gente, sí, desde el año 70 hasta ahora el Estado se triplicó, multiplicaron por seis el número de pobres, ¿sí? ¿Y sabes quiénes fueron los únicos que progresaron acá? Los políticos. Entonces, ¿saben qué? Quieren, digamos, quedarse en este país, ¿saben qué? Tienen que identificar el enemigo, el enemigo son los políticos, hay que ir contra los políticos, ellos son nuestros enemigos, ellos son los que nos hunden en la pobreza, ellos son los únicos que progresaron con este verso de la justicia social y la redistribución del ingreso. La verdadera redistribución del ingreso fue desde los que laburamos a los parásitos de los políticos. A ver, digamos, ¿por qué nació el liberalismo? Para salir el yugo opresor de los monarcas. Digamos, esta casta que tenemos, son como los monarcas, y ni siquiera se autoheredan. Son los mismos que estaban en el 2001. No se fue ninguno, estos chorros se quedaron todos. Y hay más, porque además se multiplican, porque tenés que agregar la parentela, sí porque además tenés que agregar la, la amante, porque tenés que agregar la familia del amante, y crece, y crece, y crece. Y el bolsillo, digamos, de los que producen, digamos, es cada vez más chico. O sea, entonces no puede ser que en un país si le vaya mejor a los parásitos de la política que el tipo que produce. Es decir, no te puede ir mejor ¿sí? siendo un parásito de la política que no produce nada y que cuando hace algo lo único que hace es daño. Porque una de las cosas que pasa cada vez que interviene el Estado se genera lo que se llama el fallo del Estado. O sea, fíjate esto. Los planes con la, contra la pobreza que hacen generan más pobres. Mira el caso argentino. All right. And this that was guy, super fast. I couldn't even read all the captions. All right. <laughs> this guy has a real shot at winning, right? I think he has a real shot. I mean, so we were talking about when, when will people revolt? Well, this is kind of like the revolution happening down in Argentina. I mean, if this, guy's, if this guy wins, it really is a step in the right direction against the fiat. Unless he's a psyop. I haven't looked into it. I have no idea. Unless he's a psyop, yeah, of course. Not a psyop. He's, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. We All just right, agree. So right, right, makes... seal of approval. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, great show as always. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Alaska Anon, thank you so much for always jumping up and giving us your 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 well thought out takes. Body man, thanks for for doing the news. Everybody new that joined us, Danny. Thanks for for jumping on as always. Tuck. Yeah, I- Contact me too, because uh, I'm planning right now for uh, Anarchapolco and Jason. I'm probably going to want you coming back, but uh, I want to contact a couple of speakers that you had from Monerotopia. Sure, sure. Yeah, we'll get in touch by all means. Uh, Digoon, I think you left, but thanks for doing all that you do with the Dev Report every week. And Tux, thanks for thanks for running things. 
Yeah, thanks, uh, Shortwave Surfer and Mad Monkey for last minute guest coming on. Awesome. Tux, I I dropped the YouTube link to that that song that took off this week. You mind playing that and then playing the outro? Oh, is that the um, Richmond? Uh, Richmond? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let me grab That's that. Good to play. Danny um, mentioned that he's right. That that was big. It was nice to see that go go viral. People have been telling me to listen to this for like two weeks now or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate country music, but I'm gonna listen to it anyway. Buddy, you got some musical talent, right? I think I saw some videos of you uh, singing some tunes. Yeah, I play guitar a little bit. Yeah, not as we, good as this guy, but uh, yeah, we I play. Need a body song to go <laughs> to go viral. Body Monero <laughs> song. All right, let, let's see play what it. I can come up with. Play it up, and then we'll uh, we'll close it out. Just play the outro after this. Thanks, everybody. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a good weekend. See you next week. I've been selling my soul, working all day. Overtime hours for bullshit pay So I can sit out here and waste my life away Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me, people like you Wish I could just wake up and it not be true But it is, oh it is Living in the new world with an old soul These rich men north or rich men Lord knows they all just want to have total control Want to know what you think Want to know what you do And they don't think you know But I know that you do Cause your dollar ain't shit And it's taxed to no end Cause a rich man Cause a rich man Politicians look out for miners, not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the obese milk and welfare. God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge drowns. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to. For people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men, Lord knows they all just want to have total control. Want to know what you think, want to know what you do, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do, because your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end, cause the rich men know the rich men. been selling my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay yeah amazing thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode we stream live shows every Saturday at 11am eastern you can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey 
or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram.